after eating that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they actually play with. They are, you know, good they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. folks uh good one for you today we're going to be speaking of course with uh commander rixi powerful commander Rixie. let me just try and uh bring him up on the zoom machine and then uh whilst i'm doing that what i will do is hope it's going to behave uh oh yeah just remind everyone <laughs> please 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 uh keep the wheels rolling on uh, this particular crusade it is a crusade at the moment uh whilst i'm waiting for charles i'll just i'll just chipper jabber into the uh microphone somewhere i had to I had to laugh i was <laughs> there were two things two things i got dm'd with this morning one was oh, what was the first one now <laughs> i'm forgetting oh yes uh klaus klaus swab is apparently talking i don't know how old the clip was but He's talking to CGTN, which is Chinese state media. And he's basically, <laughs> the clip is basically saying that white people, <laughs> yeah, that's right, whitey needs to uh, engage in some uh, one child per family uh, birth planning, I guess. Uh, there's too many whites on this planet, apparently. <laughs> We need more blicks and the 
What was the second one I was watching? Yes, it was that tit, Patrick Hennigson. Hennigson? I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but he's part of the UK column in the UK, something like that. But he's the one, he's, he's, you know, he has a big following. I've, I've tried to um, catch him on multiple occasions where, you know, his go-to for viruses not being real is Bimbo Bailey. And the, to me, it, it sort of epitomizes the, uh, the state that we're in, that um, <laughs> people like the Baileys can be thought of as a touchstone of scientific reliability when, you know, they, they have fucking zero bench experience and engage in, um, well, a degree of... Uh, sophistry, uh, shame, shame on any of you. You know what I'm talking about. That's tried to give them uh, <laughs> oxygen of any kind. And the uh, I don't know where Charles is, but the so what were they? What was he saying? I can't. He was talking to some. I, I'm presuming it must be like a flat earther. I think the guy was called Space Busters something like that so not only is space fake and gay um the the virus or viruses are fake and gay and of course Henson is linked to uh, his partner that he presents with is former mi6 and the the issue that's going to come now i think is the, so their their discussion was about lab origins and the call me again. Um, right. Hang on, hey, just just bear with me, folks. And so what are they, what are they angling towards is, is that as, as we've shut down the space with respect to the shenanigans that they have pulled us, um, they want to throw in there that, that again, there's nothing real and the, um, you don't, please don't go looking at those weapons programs, please. Um, hey, Rixie, how are you, sir? We don't hear you. I can see you. Yeah, hello? Yep. Working. Working, working, working. There How are you, know. you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty uh, good. Staying busy. Good. Uh, we need a busy Charles. That's, that's all I can say. Um, all right. Let's get rid of that. And I might just have to... Let me sort the chat out. I'm going to have to make it small. It's not getting in the room. Ah. I don't know if people really care about seeing my face, but well, I want it. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I can, but uh, I'm sure some people do. So um, you'd be surprised, actually, just how much um, people like that connection of seeing 
someone talking on the camera and um they can you know see the see the person and so we should uh <laughs> we should leverage uh, leverage your good looks sir well it's it's a pretty low bar <laughs> i mean granted you know it's better than your face i guess yeah yeah that's what i say just uh you know i would just uh make uh make yours look so much better so um so yeah there's a there's a lot happened in the last week right and um, a lot. so you know this obviously it's doe um that i guess started this particular uh, chain of events and that's that's what we're here to talk about so please charles uh, take it away <sighs> well i've been uh I've been working on, well, like four different articles that all touch on different pieces of my watchmaker hypothesis. And as it just so happens, the DOE report is literally pointing directly at what I've written, which is ironic because nobody seems to have realized this. Um, and in fact, it was on my last appearance with JC, not from July 4th, that we, I, I literally talked about, the, like I, I laid out the evidence for why um, Fauci would obviously know that the virus was unnatural. And I literally used the example of the Los Alamos National Laboratory and the specific names that have been named as proof that these people were experts. And that was like the underlying evidence for why, when I went through all those different vaccine studies, um, it, was, it was obvious to me as a non-scientist that they could not not have known what was going on. So um, really what I wanted to do was kind of explain why that's the case like, like what i actually mean by that and then just break it down barney style so people can explicitly understand that and well not just because i'm right because this wouldn't be the first time that i was right but but really that we have all the evidence that we need this isn't the only proof of the watchmaker hypothesis by any means but the fact that it was the fact that all of these virologists, especially when you um, there's a clip from yesterday where you were talking about oh twiv uh, yeah <laughs> twiv yes so I, I don't know if you have a way to like bring that up or whatever but whenever you were talking about twiv they basically provide a perfect intro mm. um, I, I, I can like, do that I can bring it up do you want I, me I think to? it's like like an hour in maybe like an like just under an hour, but somewhere right at the hour mark, I think, is where it is. And it's just really, I mean, so I, they I, basically leave this open question hanging and we can answer that question for them. So it's it's different to what I was playing yesterday because there they were talking about, they, they were talking about DOE, and, but that's at the beginning of the stream around, I want to say I mean, around it, 13 minutes. 
it might be i might have missed one of your streams uh, i might be thinking of two streams ago or something but whatever it says <clears throat> now let's see i can find it and, I, and i've got a couple things eventually pulled up on my computer that we can that we can go through but i really i like the fact that the twi the twig was laying it out there yeah i don't have it and, and everybody's asking like everybody's talking like this is some incredible mystery that nobody understands but nobody wants to say what it is that these scientists do and what it actually means so yeah, well from a it was uh generator who put the the clip at, oh there it is so Oh, did somebody like somebody like cut it out as its own separate one? Or? No, 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 no. It's it, but I I linked to it from um, uh, Twitter. Uh, I talked to a couple of reporters this week, and I said, you know, we have a lot of evidence that go. this is a zoonosis. You know, I don't see any evidence that it came from just <laughs> speculation. Even the FBI was was moderate confidence they had. I think not local <laughs> or something like that. But I don't see any data. So until I see data. It's a zoonosis. So we'll we'll talk about it when um, uh, when we get some information. But I have low confidence that there's anything to this report. <laughs> low confidence. <laughs> but I do want to talk. About... Is that is that the bit you were talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, because because they, they go on and or is that it? Is it over already? Um, I, I think the, I I was playing a little bit beforehand where they were talking about they were talking about the doe um vetted themselves as um uh genomics laboratories uh, yeah, yeah. report yeah. quote because nobody has this report or just news about it so i'm going to wait and hopefully we get something i emailed eddie holmes and bob gary and they said we don't know yeah, it is. It, he's emailing those two uh, reprobates, and well, we know all about them, right? <laughs> can you? You can hear it, right? Yeah. yeah, I can hear it. Yeah. Um. So, you want me to keep playing it? Yeah, just keep playing it for a little bit longer. No, anything. We don't know what they have. Uh, I think it's important uh, news just to know that you uh, contacted a bunch of people and nobody knows anything, okay? Yeah. Uh, because I certainly don't know anything, and I've been wondering if anybody knows anything, and nobody knows anything, which is... Yeah, there's no, no report. I'm confused about the, it being the Department of Energy and trying to imagine sort of <laughs> what information that energy has. Uh, I had uh, some uh, I had some correspondence with a um a friend of mine uh who has some insight into national laboratories uh uh and etc. and uh he, uh he points out the Department of Energy has significant sequencing expertise. Mm -hmm. Uh this follows on the uh World War 2 
when you know all these national la these national labs have to reinvent themselves from time to time as uh, their uh, current mission expires. So mm -hmm. after World War II, the national labs involved in the atomic bomb uh, project uh, needed to reinvent themselves uh, in some fashion or another, and some of them reinvented themselves as um, uh, genomics laboratories uh, with the rationale of uh, uh, trying to understand the effects of uh, atomic energy on uh, genomes, and, uh, et cetera. And this involves, in the Department of Energy, significant sequencing expertise, which I would assume uh, then uh, involves a significant sequence analysis um, uh, expertise. And I will say no more. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything. That's anymore. really I, that's that's really interesting and helpful. Yeah. Well, so. I don't think there's any phylogenetic tree in this report. No. No. I don't think there's any sequence. <laughs> I think it's just what they think happened. Right. Or will, might have happened. We will hopefully <laughs> find out. It's interesting that I was uh, consulting for Los Alamos Labs uh, when the DoD uh, changed its name to the DOE. The week I was there, they actually changed their name because um, the DOD has a fairly bad reputation, as you know. The DOE has a wonderful reputation. So they were just going to, you know, atomic energy for peaceful uses, and that's the way they were going to proceed. And that was a while back, and I'm not sure that. Uh, I don't know what you're saying, Dixon. There's still a DOD. Well, the DOD as we know it is is different than the DOD that was there before that. So the, a lot of labs in, 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 uh, in the uh, Los Alamos area were working for the DOD, and suddenly they found themselves working for the DOE. Okay, so they, they were changed to be under a different agency. That not, is correct. Not that, that is, the, that's right. That's not right. that the DOD became the DOE. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Uh, that's right. But uh, they, they did a lot of... Uh, it was like musical chairs almost, and uh, everybody was confused as to why that actually happened. But I think it was probably a international reputational uh, move on the part of the DOD. <clears throat> because, so, you know, um, go ahead. Uh, I talked to a couple of reporters this week, and I said, you know, we have a lot of evidence that this is a zoonosis. You know, I don't see any evidence that it came from just speculation. Even the FBI was was moderate confidence they had, I think, not local or something like that. But I don't see any data. So until I see data, it's a zoonosis. Let me help this. So we'll we'll talk about it when uh, that was you, Charles, I couldn't tell. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, that was me. That was me. Oh. <laughs> I was saying I was saying that I can help I can help clear up Vincent's confusion. Mm, mm. I mean, do you want to tee off from there? I mean I I, I think we sort of get Yeah, I the... think so. I think so pushed out right that that yeah. they're not um or, or they're playing by the orthodox academic rules which is that look the papers have been published in science right from warraby and yeah. uh, all that crew. oh geez that's another thing too yeah <laughs> so that's the final word in their mind and i would i would beg to differ vehemently as i'm sure you would right your time being, I also beg. Mm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So let's let's help. Let's help, old Vince. Because uh, yeah, you, you want to share your screen. Uh, uh, 
see, I guess. Yeah, I guess we can do that. Let's see if I can. Hang on. Not that. Like you should be able to. Mm. Not working. There we go. There it is. All right. Ah, see myself. Ah, ah. Okay. Well, actually, since we're doing this, let's see if I bookmarked it. Okay, well, I didn't bookmark it, but... Wait, there's a bookmark function on Twitter? How do you do that? Uh, yeah, you know. Occasionally. Uh, let's see. All right. I probably should work on making fewer graphics, but it's so much fun. Nothing like uh, visual aids to... <laughs> What 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 a time to mention AIDS as you brought that slide up. Uh, visual AIDS, yes. Well, that's it. That is exactly what we're doing. AIDS visually. Mm. So, uh, this is awesome. Yeah, I. What's interesting is that as those virologists were talking on Twitter, they they seem to kind of gloss over the fact that all of them know people who work for the DOD or have DOD grants or have done so in the past. And so this there's this odd coy attitude that I've seen from all of these scientists saying, oh well we don't we don't know anything about defensive or defense contracts and defense grants. When for people who don't know, one of the the um Oh crap, what is it? One of the Oh, in fact, it's your favorite, your favorite virologist, uh, Angela Rasmussen. Oh, fat Angie, nice. Yeah. She uh she worked at Columbia, which by the way is oh, that's where Vincent Macanello is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's uh, Columbia seems to be very much part of a poison nexus in in, in this drama. Oh yes. Poison Nexus, that's a good one. Uh, that's a good rat's nest, Poison Nexus. Mm. I mean, that's where, that's also where Ian Lipkin is. And I can't remember which one of them. So I'm pretty sure that... Wait, uh, which, which one was at Edinburgh University? I thought that was Lipkin. That was Andrew Rambo. Oh, Rambo, that's Yeah. So, uh, let's see. I've, I've got the, well... I didn't want to preview what my my article was going to say, but so here we go. We'll just start with this. And so I I want to say it was on the first. It was about ten days ago, but whenever Stephen Goldstein uh, had this tweet, and Stephen Goldstein is a virologist from the University of Utah. And he put out this tweet. And so, like, I had heard about the Department of Energy 
um, report, but I didn't know really anything about it. And I saw this tweet and he says, two things stand out. Burks, so uh, Deborah Burks, who was one of the main um, COVID task force leaders for the Trump administration, she explicitly says that Corber's group at Los Alamos National Laboratories did the analysis changing the DOE assessment. That's a very specific point for journalists to investigate. She passes on the chance to say that the information should be shared with the public. And what's really interesting is that when I watched this video, she doesn't actually mention Bette Corber's name. And so after I saw this tweet, I was like, holy shit. Well, that's interesting because Stephen Goldstein is one of the latest additions to the proximal team that's been defending the, the authors of the proximal origin. And he, he, was, he was one of the authors on, on one of the two papers that Warobi and Friends released in July. And so that is a very interesting statement from someone who's out in, in the Western United States and who obviously understands what Los Alamos is or, or what Bette Corver's role at the Los Alamos National Laboratories is. So when I saw this, I immediately, I immediately started Googling and trying to figure out, okay, do they actually mention this? And it turns out I haven't found anywhere else. I found, I found like some hints, but I haven't found anywhere else that, that blatantly uh, um, names Los Alamos National Laboratories or, or Bet Corber other than Stephen Goldstein. Now, it's possible that Stephen Goldstein is the person that they were talking about on the TWIV that had been sending in a message <laughs> to whoever it was who was talking. Um, but even if not, it's pretty clear that they realized that, that uh, this is dabbling into defense-type stuff. And it's, it's ironic that they, they were being very, very coy on TWIV. And I say it's ironic because I think all of them have had defense contracts in the past, or like defense grants in the past. But more than anything, this tweet may have uh, done some damage for for the uh, for the zoonosis side because I wasn't really thinking about it until I saw this tweet. And once I saw this tweet, I said, "Oh, that's interesting." <laughs> and so, so, so just just to yeah, summarize the. That's it's CNN, right? The clip that was playing. Yeah, the, the clip right. is from CNN. So I, I remember playing it. I personally don't remember Beck Corber's name coming up. And the only reason yeah, they that didn't I, say it. They didn't, right? They didn't. Yeah, they did not say it. Right. And so, like I said, the only, the only reason that I know that name is because you've, you've told me. And... You know, the, she, they just happen to have a focus on HIV, right? That's that's the 
That's correct. That is correct, my friend. Um, and I guess we can go ahead and uh, I'll show you before we really dive into it. Okay, so who is Bad Corber? That's a man. Uh, kind of. Well, it's better than uh, the pig that, that, that you mentioned on Twitter yesterday. Right, um, right, right. Yeah, given the choice. <laughs> um, but yeah, see, this is why it's really interesting because nobody is actually saying what it is that these people do. Mm. And, you know, why wouldn't they mention it? Because they talk about sequencing. Okay, well, but what are they sequencing? And so let me go ahead and, and dash the dreams of people now. Because... Beth Corber is an American computational biologist focusing on the molecular biology and population genetics of the HIV virus that causes infection and eventually AIDS. She has contributed heavily to efforts to obtain an effective HIV vaccine. She created a database at Los Alamos National Laboratory that has enabled her to design novel mosaic HIV vaccines, one of which is currently being tested in humans in Africa. The database contains thousands of HIV genome sequences and related data. Yes. And what is that related data that they have? Well, in particular, she has been using the computational prowess of the computers that are available at Los Alamos National, National Laboratory, which I don't remember if they have the quantum computers, but sufficiently, I, I can say with certainty that they have a better computer than I have right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, uh, but what, what she focuses on are vaccine epitopes. And a, a, an epitope, for our purposes here, is just, it's a section of the genome that um, when it comes to immune responses, it, it's, it's something that causes um, antibodies to be generated based upon the expression. Yeah, so a, a quick, yeah. quick way of summing that up is sections of peptides, right, that you would want to display to the immune system that says this is, you need to be looking for this sec, uh, sequence of amino acids and <laughs> the corresponding protein or, or the pink the thinking that that would be part of the proteins expressed by a virus. Would that help clarify? Maybe not. I mean, basically, that's <sighs> the antibodies that are generated um, when they respond to a virus are generated based upon what the initial immune system sees being expressed on, on this genome of a virus. And so... In this case, she is an absolute expert at knowing what these different epitopes on the HIV virus do, what type of antibodies they generate. And then she, she either herself or in cooperation with different labs around the world who want to make a, a, an HIV vaccine prototype, they'll send her the sequence and she will bounce it uh, She'll bounce it off of like all the genomic sequences and all the 
all the known epitopes and try to predict what the immune a body's immune response will be based upon all sorts of things like for instance uh, certain polymorphisms so <laughs> so yes the types of people that would be interested in this would be militaries and people might say okay well, why would militaries care about this well if you wanted to create race-based weapons this is the type of stuff you would need to have you need to have this database so that you could understand okay and how this virus would react differently to different different populations from around the world so we can reasonably assume that this has been a very long time partnership between los alamos and the nih because this is exactly the type of stuff that you would expect weapons laboratories to have. So could you? And this is sorry to interrupt. So could you? No, go ahead. Um, just explain because it it's not so clear to me. So I, I understand Los Alamos in my mind was like nuclear mm. weapons, right? That that's where they the first development was done. What's what's their relationship to? NIH, which by all standards should be, I, I would argue, separated by a very large distance with respect to personnel, the um, funding sources, etc. Right, well, uh, so so Los Alamos was was started. Um, in the early 40s, as they were working on the Manhattan Project, they they needed somewhere that was really remote uh, for, for security reasons and also because once they started detonating bombs, they wanted to be able to have plenty of space with nobody around. And so at this time, in the early, so I want to say it was 1942, maybe actually it was, it was 1943, they started gathering a bunch of, of physicists from all around the world. And as they were doing that, and, and they were working on the construction and the development of a mechanism that could, that could do the explosions, the nuclear explosions, they were processing and enriching uranium at the, I want to say it's the Y-12 complex that's in Knoxville, just outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. And so I that actually one that just caught fire? Which was the one that caught uh, fire recently in the last few weeks? There was a uranium fire. Someone in the chat. Uh, well, that would be that would be shocking. I, I mean, I was in yeah, I was in Knoxville or near Knoxville for most of January. So I, I want to say it was just a couple of weeks ago, there. two two weeks ago. Maybe. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd be very interested to hear from the chat if, if that's the case. So, someone will pull it up. But, um... but, but basically, so ever since World War II, there's, there's still been a lot of stuff going on uh, research development wise in what's called Oak Ridge, Tennessee, the Oak Ridge complex. But Los Alamos has almost always been a, a nuclear weapons place and oh, good lord well my throat is so bad today um 
Too much pizza, bro. Well, actually, ironically, as you mentioned, I am eating pizza, yes. Has it got chilies on it? Uh, well, not anymore. I, I, think I, I, I don't know if you're referring to uh, jalapeno peppers. That's what, that's what I do, but... Yeah, anyway. that's that's what's irritating your throat, bro. The jalapenos. Oh well. I also I also chinchillas. My, my twin brother. So it was an Oak Ridge that had the fire. Really? Okay. Wow. I was I was literally I was well because I'm actually in Tennessee right now. I'm I'm in Memphis where my twin brother lives. Oh, shit. So I I drove I was back in Virginia then I drove back here. Wow. That is insane. On the okay. 22nd. Well, well, there you go. So I I need to look into that because um, that is disturbing. Well, that, that in, but, in my mind, that's, that's the sort of event that they would use to maybe sneak some out, perhaps. Well, I mean, it, I, I doubt they'd have to go through all that trouble just to sneak something out of a laboratory that's already classified but i don't know i, have no I, idea I, I don't know right i mean how do, how do they do the tracking like shipping containers and for radioactive materials because they do do that right they are screened because I, I was remember someone yeah. talking about ceramic porcelain or something like that that gives off a a background it does above background radiation was that maybe it was you telling me? yeah it wasn't it wasn't me that was talking about it but um i do know quite a bit about the like how nuclear weapons and other things are transported in fact it's ironic that when the east palestine uh, train derailment happened once again i i seem to be i don't know if this is a sign that maybe i should do something else but um I was in I was in Canton, Ohio, which is like thirty five miles away from East Palestine, when that happened, for like a week. So, like, I think I got there the day that it happened, and I left. Rick's, Rick's is a one man one man sabotage unit. <laughs> I was. <laughs> so yeah, hilarious. Bro. Like I said, I, I I've done a lot of traveling, and you know now that I think about it, there's been a lot of. Uh, hazards and disasters that are happening so hopefully they're not trying to get me mm. but as it just so happens the, the when it, the train derailment itself i i happen to know a lot about what's supposed to happen there because uh, when i was still in the marines i got training in something called technical escort which is it's it's higher level hazmat um, tech certifications and some other stuff. And so if there's an, an industrial accident or if there's, or if we're just transporting nuclear weapons from one part of the country to another or something, or there's a broken arrow incident, um, people of that, um, technical qualification are, um, are called in and they help deal with the hazards clean up and, and stuff like that, which is why I know what's supposed to happen when you respond. And which is also why I know that whatever happened in East Palestine 
is entirely wrong, like entirely wrong. I mean, it took it took um, two days for the first uh, civil support team to arrive, and, and every state there's actually fifty seven. So there's a few extra ones, but there's fifty seven WMD CSTs, which are National Guard units that have this technical escort qualification that go get in the full gear and, and respond to things like that. Mm. But they weren't called in for the f- two days. And that was just the Ohio one. And then it took another day for the West Virginia people to, to get there. And it's, it's, it's mind boggling because like, that's what they're designed to do. And so I don't know what was happening for those first few days. And I also don't know why they decided to burn off the, to do a controlled burn. Uh, you, if there was that much, that's not what you would do. Like everything about that response was wrong. I mean, I, I've, I've even gone through, um, like all the, all the doctrine to show people, Hey, this is like, this is the standoff distance. This is what you do. You evacuate. They should not have let people back in that city. In fact, I don't think they, there should be people in that city now. Um, so there's something going on there, and I, I don't know what it is. And the fact that right after that, there'd be this this fire at a national security complex. Something weird is going on. Something very, very weird is going See, on. See, I'm wondering if they're trying to cover the... So we're seeing all this increase in cancer and um, dementia and maybe maybe they're trying to i don't know seed the environment in such a way that even those that were not avoided gene transfection their rates go up as well right if if, if i, I did hear that yeah mm-hmm. i heard that someone say that that east palestine was among the lowest vaccinated Parts of the country, or something. It's it's Amish country, right? The... Uh, no, I don't know. If, like there are Amish communities in that area. I don't know if, how close it gets to that particular place, but absolutely, there are a lot of Amish in that part of Pennsylvania and, and Ohio. So, it's not the worst possible argument to make because. It, it, it makes no sense. Like the, the way they respond, it makes no sense. When you're talking about hazardous chemicals that are that toxic, you wouldn't. You see, in my you, in my mind, in a rush. My mind, if there was that, surely you couldn't bring in sort of pump trucks and have it pumped into, I don't know, repurposed uh, fuel carriers. You know, those well, there's a lot of things they could have done. But the one thing that they did do was burn it off. And when there's that much, and there's so many bad chemicals that can be off-gassed from that, uh, it's it's mind-boggling. It's just it's really everything about whatever happened there is mind-boggling, and it's really really creepy that uh, like we're we're just not hearing anything about it at all. Like it, it's. Like I don't want to go back there. 
<laughs> She's not <laughs> drinking the tap water anyway. Yeah, my family, uh, like my mom's side of the family lives up there. and uh, Oh, no shit. Um, yeah, like I don't, I don't want to go there because it's, it's just, it's terrifying. I mean, yeah, there, there just seems to be a very cavalier attitude right now to to these well poisons toxins being pumped into the environment right now from authorities and you you have to wonder why that would be the the case and oh i mean just just imagine so here, here's a good example in 2010 the bp oil spill happened you know the pipe burst mm -hmm. or whatever and mm -hmm. And so there's a massive amount. There's a giant oil slick. And that was on the news for nightly for months. There was coverage. There was major payouts. Uh, uh, I, I, there was the convictions and things. There's nothing happening now. Mm. But the odds are very high, in my opinion, that far more damage to humans was caused by the East Palestine tanker spill than whatever came out of the BP oil spill. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of strange, but the simple I, fact I is true. Oil, oil is a natural product, right? It's, it's in the, it's in the yeah. environment and yet it sucks when it dumps out onto a beach, etc. but the, the mechanisms are there within the environment to break it down however slowly right. but it can be it can be broken down um these you know the once you start chlorinating these um, hydrocarbons make the make the stuff for plastics then it then it gets into a whole different ball game and yeah I, I, i'm i haven't spent a lot of time dwelling on what happened in Palestine, but um, in, in the scheme of things, with all the other fires, and it doesn't to to just say it was oh just one of those things. I I would I would consider it to be naive thinking, and I I, I would go even further to say you know if we're in this biochem warfare environment, that that's precisely the mechanisms that you would use to make sure that you could hit large populations and make it seem you know so you, you you don't want your jets going in and spraying and bombing an area because that that would be too obvious but if you can tip over a train and spill and then off gas that those chemicals you know most people will they'll they'll, they'll forget about it in a few weeks and Perhaps, uh, perhaps we, I, I should have paid more attention to it. I don't know. I mean, it's just another, it's another thing in this list of, of chaos events that it, it just seems like it's exactly what it's for. It's hard for me to look at it and say, and say that, no, it's not, it, it, that's not the government trying to 
uh, you know, evaporate the control group by um, gabbling a whole bunch more cancers and, and stuff onto uh, onto the population in that, in that area. I can't say no to that, which says a lot about the, the how sad the current state of the world is right now. Yeah, I mean it's it's terrible, and. I mean, that's not even what we wanted to talk about, but well, it's part of it's, the bigger, bigger picture. Um, I mean, we can we can get back to the DOE, but I, I, you know, you made a very good point that um, if you juxtapose it with what happened with the oil spill in Gulf of Mexico and and now, um, yeah, they they didn't. Uh, well, the, the information feeds that people are supposed to be able to rely on haven't done their job again right and so we have to they're, they're not they're not reporting on it and it's ironic because i've grown up my entire life having been bombarded with uh, all this messaging related to protecting the environment and um and then what happened in the Biden administration, they blew up the largest like, gas pipeline. Oh, right, that pipeline. Yeah. Europe. <laughs> no, no, sir. It was uh, Ukrainian partisans. How dare you? Ukrainian partisans. Yes. They literally pulled that, right, when Schultz went to visit. And then, I don't know, within a day, two days of him visiting, that's the line that was spun out by the New York Times. That I did cover this week. And I, I don't yeah. know. And they, they must just... I don't know where they get their data analytics from, but if, if they think that... They must just think people buy it and move on. Or, or you know what it probably is? It's just a case of front-loading headlines like the... Um, proximals have done with the scientific literature so that when people go back to look at it that's that's what comes up in the searches rather rather than the more and probably more, more realistic um, scenarios which is the hand of um, oh, whatever whatever agency would be pulling it off so Ukrainian yeah so I know that like the odds that Seymour Hirsch just made up his story are, yeah, he didn't make up that story. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter. Who's oh, that's being, the word I was um, looking for yesterday. I was trying to, I was trying oh, to remember. Right, you're right. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, the Pulitzer Prize, yeah. yeah. Thank you. So there you go. You're welcome. So he's, a, so he's a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter from the 70s. Okay, so he's been around for a while. He's not, he's not bullshitting and making this stuff up. Okay, but he, Seymour Hirsch doesn't need to do that. And what's ironic is that he had to go and do to like different alternative media places just to get people to print this. Very similar to Jeffrey Sachs, who, if you don't know, he started his own channel on YouTube. I just came across it one day. We're not getting a lot of traffic, but he's having to post videos there just so that people have a place to go watch his appearances on the news. I mean, it's, it's getting ridiculous. And the, uh, there's something I just, 
Warobi yesterday. I think it was yesterday. I know we keep getting sidetracked, but there's so much news. Mm-hmm. There's so many different things happening. Uh, it's the quickening. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, I have no idea where it is, but but even he said something. He said something stupid yesterday, and that was when I I pointed out to him that he's full of shit. Oh, oh, I don't remember what it was. Now he was saying that uh, he he was complaining or pointing out that um, that he likes to focus on real science that gets published in you know reputable journals. Um, <laughs> and he was referring to his own his own papers, of course, that were published in Science. And then I pointed out that. Uh, um, here it is. There we go. He was complaining. He was complaining about the hearings that took place and the people that spoke at those hearings. And let's be real that the congressional hearings had Jamie Metzel, Nicholas Wade, and Robert Redfield as the people who were testifying at those hearings. Really? That's, that's the best you can come up with? Mm-hmm. Robert Redfield, I can understand, but Jamie Metzel, Jamie yeah, one, Metzel, one one world hacking your genome, Jamie Metzel, <laughs> one world hacking your genome, Atlantic Council, uh, Atlantic Council Democrat, mm. part of Clinton administration, like what? What is this garbage? The, the one person who should never speak for drastic, but who magically became our spokesperson somehow mm. uh so yeah so and michael roby does com- complained about um you know just the people who were who were there <clears throat> and he, he highlighted he corrected uh someone to say uh, here's my actual quote to for those who want to know what I actually said, not one of those witnesses had any scientific record of investigating and publishing peer-reviewed research on the origins of this virus in quality journals. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, so I pointed out, let's examine this fictive reality in which you base your claim, Michael. Um, of 258 origin-relevant articles in the global top six, only seven, seven leaned in the lab origin direction. So that's a 19, that's a one to basically a 20 to one ratio uh, leaning versus zoo versus lab. And in all other journals, it was one to 1.66. So much closer to even. And, uh, you know, I added in my, my actual numbers and stuff because I because I have those and uh, and yeah. God, they get they, they must hate you, Charles. The fact that you pull up. <laughs> yeah, I want them to hate me. I want them to hate me forever because these people deserve to be in hell. So I don't care if they hate me. Um, Did he respond to so, this? 
No, of course not. Right. <laughs> of course he hasn't responded to me. He's never, he's, he has responded to me before, but not about anything of substance. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's, he's full of crap. Um, and, and then I said, you know, God, I just, I just saw Metzl's profile inside there. One shared world. He's commie. Dick sucks, man. <laughs> well, anyway, so yes, this is, this is why we need actual people who know things to be in these hearings, you know, because I already, I already knew this off the top of my head because I did the research. Okay. I, I kept going, you know, not all origin researchers have the benefit of 29 accompanying articles in six days as your two science articles did in July. So not only did they get two articles in science at the same time, but there were 29 articles that accompanied that over the next week to, to add as like promoting this, this propaganda. And even then, like anybody who knew anything about it at all was like, yeah, this is complete bullshit. So it's a sign that we're winning, but that's, well, uh... the, 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 the question of whether we're winning or not is, is over, over long periods of time. And the, the, the edifice that we need to blow up is the fact that the academic record and the I don't know, like news article record is is always going to show this bias, right? And you know the the whole point about uh, the Twitter files, you know, thank thank God that did come out to sort of r r I don't know, aid, I guess, not rescue, but aid in the fight with respect to there was so much coordinated censorship going on and. Again, this comes down to we we at a big at a over thirty thousand foot level. We need like our own search engines, our, all that type of thing that people can go to where the results are not being algorithmically toyed with, so that trusted news initiative articles float to the top all the time, because that's what they have done, and all the time that that's the case we're literally on the back foot so anyway we're, we're let, let, let's get to doe and um yeah beck, beck corber yeah so um so yes yeah, so that so the, the fact that michael Roby is still they're literally going to, going to complain about everything okay <laughs> so just imagine i mean if you're in congress and you're watching this which you're probably not watching this, but if they were, like, what they need to understand is that they're going to fight to the last man in the last trench forever, okay? So if we're going to fight this battle, let's stop pussyfooting around. Let's stop going with Jamie Metzl and actually attack them with the evidence. Jamie Metzl doesn't know the evidence. He's still talking about evidence from two years ago. So, I mean, and like a week ago, I, I was contacted by somebody from one of the um, from one of the committees, and you know, I literally 
said what I'm saying now, and I've had no response. Like they reached out to me, and I I laid out some stuff. No response. Why? No response. Because they're making a new narrative right now. I I think, right? They've been there's been enough resistance that they've got to turn around and spin it in such a way that oh it's got to be all china i think i think that's where they're going and, that's exactly right and they'll indemnify any of these oh, los alamos or um uh even even the pharmaceutical companies right it'll all be like wow well, you know we were um yeah, you were right. We did think it came from a laboratory. We thought our hand was uh, our hand was being forced, and so this is why we find ourselves in this current situation. And then, and then blame the Chinese. Yep, that's exactly right. It's so disgusting, and it's so obvious because I mean, just the fact that they were able to get a unanimous vote on releasing the intelligence. Well. They're not releasing all origin intelligence. They they ordered to release all the intelligence dealing with China. Is that true? That's what I heard. I actually don't remember now. Like I was trying to figure out where I heard that from. I was talking to somebody, but whoever it was 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 saying that that was the the limit. Like that was the parameters of what it was supposed to be. I don't think it actually said it in, in the public document that was released. But I do know that, I mean, I've talked to Andrew Huff, I've talked to other people who, they've been saying for a while that, that, that really, what, that yes, what they want to try to do is, is shift it to where it's all about China. And they, do, and they don't want to talk about, like, our involvement, which is a problem because the vaccines are our involvement. Um, it sounds, it sounds to me like everybody's thinking that that they'll that they'll have to come around and and admit things about the vaccines. I don't think they're at that point yet. No, they really don't. I think no. I think I think they're they're trying to get they're trying to blame it all on China. And what scares me is that that the reason that they want to do this is for the Biden administration at least. It looks to me like what they want to do is start provocations with China. You know, I mean, what better distraction than to actually go to war with an actual enemy? Um, and the, that the, is it would be a very difficult conflict because you, you, we would have to do it on the sea while they would be fighting from land on their on their home turf, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, we. It, I think it would still revolve around Taiwan, but... I, you got to get ships like to Taiwan, bro. <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's um, long, long-ass supply chains, man. Even, even, if you, even if you stacked up Japan with weapons, it, it, takes, it takes four hours to fly to Okinawa. Right? And Okinawa, it must be the same distance again to get to Taiwan. 
Uh, Might even there. be more, yeah. yeah. I mean, Taiwan's pretty far south. Mm. So, I mean, but it that's what it looks like, is that it's a... The, I, don't, I don't think they actually want to necessarily fight China, but they do want to blame them as a way to avoid culpability in our end. And so I think what they've, what they've gambled is that is, is that they can get away with it. And really what this means is that it just makes the watchmaker argument, it makes the evidence that much more important because my entire point is that we don't have to know the origin to know that Fauci and others have, have done terrible things and made terrible decisions. And what concerns me is that I'm being uh, frozen out on purpose specifically because they want to turn this all into yeah. all that China thing. Yep. I, I think you're right on target there, man. And you know, this is, that's terrifying. Mm, yeah. And look, in, if that's the case, which I think is highly likely, um, the knock-on consequences. I, I was saying this the other day. Pe people need to make sure that they've got at least the minimum they need to get past supply disruptions that would come from the... shaping the battlefield i guess around around china um i i haven't I, I struggle to think that they would light up taiwan but i don't know it depends how desperate they are they could do that who um the I don't know, controllers that, that are part of playing this narrative right now where war with china becomes the optimal strategy with respect to um circumventing responsibility their their responsibilities for what happened within the last three years so um ukraine didn't work out like they planned so uh, may as well may as well light up taiwan far away doesn't impact uh the american heartland so much and they can I mean, a really good example of how they can control people is just just look at the morons that were flying blue and yellow tags on their social media, right? And yeah. they can they can just th these people just can turn on a dime, and they'll they'll have Taiwan flags next. Yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. I actually do support Taiwan, mm. um, but no, I'm I'm very concerned because I know I've known since the beginning, since I joined Drastic, that um, that Jamie Metzl, his entire focus is blaming China. Mm. Like he he does not want to dig deeply into the science behind this. Mm. He, wa he wants China to be guilty. and so. It's Atlantic Council policy. That, that, that's well, what I would and, say. And, and just the fact that they're, 
that they that no one that literally no one in the government wants to look at the US's role in any of this is disgusting because it's possible to, to walk and chew gum at the same time. And we need to be able to hold the sciences accountable for what they've done. And the, the worst possible thing we can do is pretend that this is all because of China. And so, I mean, this, this latest thing about the Department of Energy report is a perfect example of letting out the, the tiniest amount of information that you can to, because basically what was the Department of Energy report insinuating here? All we got was that it was the, their opinion that it came from the lab in China. Okay, well, that's great. Well, how did they know that? And I would bet dollars to donuts that most of the intelligence, most of the information that would be in this Department of Energy report isn't about China. In fact, maybe none of it is about China. And I can also guarantee that none of it will be released. I don't think there's a chance in Hades that if this report actually exists, which I think it does, I don't think it will ever be released, ever. None of it. Why? Because none of it has to do with China. And, well, yeah, I think it's time that we go ahead and uh, maybe go ahead and explain what that is. Um, I don't know if this sound will work if I play it through my computer. I don't know. I've never done this before. Let's, let's try it. Nice sound. So. Um, on your on your side, when you when you share screen, stop sharing screen for a second, reshare it, and in that uh, pop up window that comes, which asks you which screen you want to share, in the bottom left hand corner, there's share with sound. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yep, I see. There we go. Thanks. From the historical record, and not talking about it, and this is, mm -hmm. I mean. And as we've already talked about, this affected early treatments. So there's chloroquine or information or evidence. But if you, because the first paper I found was from 2006, Mascola and Graham are authors, and they were making a pseudovirus. Okay, well, let's get a little bit further ahead. Those inserts, they had been... So here's a good one. Uh, oh no. <laughs> These were just being used as the... Uh, um, there we go. I was using these as images to put onto uh, Twitter, but... So here's the first one, and phase one. Oh no! There it is. Phase one safety and immunity evaluation. 
But that's exactly what they do. Oh, no. Yep, a four plasmid mixture. In- okay. All right. So I'm not used to being the host and yeah. controlling all this stuff, but yeah, it's, this is it's tricky, than- right? It's actually it's actually it kind of a art form. I'm sh- I'm shit at it, but I don't know. Well, you're better than me. <laughs> Uh, I should be way so better for the amount of practice I've had, bro. <laughs> it's always something. To, There's always something. I will touch that. Um, well, the bottom line here is that um, uh, on July 4th of last year, and actually like in, in the days preceding that, I had started putting up on Twitter some of my latest findings. Because what I realized, I, I went back because I was trying to answer the question, okay, why do they keep the furin cleavage site in the vaccine? Because the furin cleavage site it allows for greater cell tropism. So it allows you know, the pathogen to enter into cells that otherwise couldn't enter. But as I went back in time and I looked at all these different studies, I also realized that Huh, well, that's interesting. I, mean, I, 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 started real, I started learning about the different ways that they would construct vaccines, and specifically HIV vaccines. And for those who are unfamiliar, HIV has never had a, an effective vaccine for it. it. It mutates so rapidly, and it can transcribe itself in, into the human genome, so it can hide in a, in a latent uh, form within cells just waiting for some magical time in the future where it's activated. So it can go years, it can go decades. And, and this is why Magic Johnson, when he was HIV positive, he had he tested positive for the virus, but he didn't have AIDS itself because the virus was just uh, children waiting around and so it wasn't doing, it wasn't actively infected and causing damage to the immune system. And so they've been trying to figure out how do we, how do we figure out a vaccine that can actually work against us? And it's incredibly difficult to the point that it's never been done. And Dr. Wait, Fauci, Charles, are you, are, you, are you saying that there's a RNA virus that seems to be able to transmit and then doesn't lose uh doesn't fade into background as the uh, epidemic pandemic continues how dare you sir how very dare I apologize. you <laughs> i apologize that, yes I, I would be implying that there's a virus that can sustain a pandemic in across time and space yes shocking um, yeah shocking how dare you my feels no. are offended I apologize. I retract my statement. Um, I should have. I should have used the term "infectious clown." I know, <laughs> but but the point is. So so first of all, what people need to understand is it's actually possible that AIDS isn't natural. Mm. I mean, it's almost beyond a shadow of a doubt that or that HIV that HIV was um, man-made whether by accident or on purpose. And if Nick was here, like he, he'd he, be able he to say... He is here. I could, I could pull him in if you want. 
I don't actually want to talk to him, you know, I don't care, but, um, <laughs> but no, he, um, but he, what, what he would say is that he, uh, is that there's a couple of different possibilities. Okay. What virologists would say is that AIDS, I'm sorry, HIV emerged in 1900 or 1920 or 30 or, or maybe at 1960, but certainly not, certainly didn't come from hepatitis B vaccines and certainly didn't come from the polio vaccines. And it must didn't, have been didn't come from all those primates. They were exsanguinated and uh, pulling all their, um, all their biome with them. Uh, just yeah yeah they so i want people to understand one of the things i did in the last couple of days was i was able to find copies of uh leonard horowitz's book, well from a couple of his books and he was a researcher very much like uh, garth nicholson and others who was trying to investigate the origin of aids and hiv and I tried to find, there was a certain book that was talking about the origin of HIV that I could not get on Amazon. Like I went there and they had a Kindle version of it and they had paper, they had a hardcore, hardcover versions of it, which were all ridiculously expensive. Like the cheapest was 38. The average was like 200 something. Jesus. So it's obvious they do not want people to read this book. Now for people for people who don't know, sometimes a book is expensive because it's rare. I mean, books are just, they're a commodity that goes up in value and price based upon whatever the person who's just selling the book thinks it can be sold for. So the person selling the book on Amazon for $221 probably doesn't know why that's the market price. <laughs> okay. He, he sees the previous uh, per sale prices and he goes, hey, yeah, I'm going to put it at that. Um, I used to be a power seller on eBay for comic books, actually, oh. a long time ago. So I'm familiar with this process. And um, so, but when I went to go get the Kindle version, I couldn't get it. I was like, so there is a Kindle version, but you can't buy it. You can't download it. So finally, like, I, I eventually found on the Internet Archive, and I've got a link in my upcoming article that I'm writing. You can go to the Internet Archive and you can check out books, some books. And all you have to do is have like a, a Google account or some account linked to the Internet Archive and then you can check out the book. And so that's what I did. And, and basically the bottom line is, is that the there's a growing and sizable amount of literature that shows that at the very minimum, the latest that HIV probably uh, came out is from the special virus cancer experiments that were being done in the 60s and 70s. Like, that's sorry, there's, if, there's if just a question contamination in, it's coming in, from that. in the chat. What's the name of the book? Uh, people are oh, geez. Um, and Luxellian is saying, I'll send my hard copy signed by Horowitz to you. I need your PO. Um, it cost me a fortune, but you can have it. No, no, I don't want to take I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to have it, but I don't want to take that from somebody who's who actually has it because, I mean, 
that's that's a cool little thing. Uh, it, the book is called Emerging Viruses, AIDS, and Ebola. <clears throat> yeah, I'll show you the, the front cover. Yesterday, I literally, for most of the day, like laid in bed and read this book and another book. Um, so I'm already done reading it, but come on. There we go. So that's what's called. I'm going to take a screenshot or whatever. Um, like I said, I, I, I linked to this document. You would have to check it out yourself, but I linked to it inside of my next article that's about to come out. Emerging Viruses, AIDS, and Ebola. And it's really, really good. Like, it's really good. And it's basically, he makes a convincing case. And I, I dare say, I mean, I, I know why... Um, why Nick was saying that, you know, he'd be proud to be said that he was just following the footsteps of Horowitz because, because he's definitely done a lot of the work. And, um, so all of the stuff that we've been talking about, the special virus cancer program, what was it really researching? It was trying to discover retroviruses, it was trying to figure out cancer-causing viruses. And part of it is because they want to weaponize immune-suppressing agents. And the other part of it is that they want to understand uh, reverse transcription. They want to understand how to make edits to the human genome. That was the underlying unspoken reason why they were willing to spend so much money on the Human Genome Project. That's what they really, that's a holy grail. So they want to weaponize it, and they want to use it for future uh, gene modifications. So. And it's not for you, Lick Spittles. You ain't getting that medicine. Ah, well, I mean, it's kind of for you because uh, they, uh, they injected us with these transfections to suppress our immune systems. Yeah, but for testing, um, you, you ain't getting the good stuff. That... Right. But, but the Los Alamos National Laboratory, the DOE, like where this updated intelligence report came from, we probably shouldn't think of it as a, as a benign, you know, for the good of all humanity kind of project, okay? Why would they spend? Because... I read somewhere that just between the, the years of 2001 and 2016, the United States spent 500 billion, Jesus, 500 billion dollars on the AIDS response. Okay, and I, I don't know the exact number, but based upon what I have seen, I would say that, it, it, a good estimate for how much was spent just on research. So not all the medical treatment of all the people in Africa and everywhere else, just the research is probably a hundred billion dollars. A hundred billion dollars is a lot of money. Okay. If, if you need to know it, let me clarify for you. That is a lot of money in tax. Like if you inflation adjusted dollars, that's more than double of what we spent on the entire Manhattan Project. Wow. Which I think about a decade ago was at $30 billion in today's money. 
but even if it was $50 billion, we've spent at least double just on HIV research, the bulk of which would be on vaccines. I mean, they've had more than $1 billion of vaccine trial. Now, you have to ask yourself, why would we spend $100 billion in less than two decades just on research, just on HIV? And the answer is, uh, well, we should, look at the G we should look at the virus and say, what would they want from this virus? Now, so to recap, the Los Angeles National Laboratory, home of supercomputers and some of our best scientists, they have an entire lab that's dedicated just to researching genomes for HIV vaccines. Does anybody really think that they really care about HIV vaccines? Because let's face it, in 40 years, they've never developed a good one. <laughs> so just from the outside looking in, an average American would probably say, you know, why are we spending $100 billion on a vaccine when we've never even made a successful one? I mean, people were complaining. We, when I was in my MBA program, we made fun of Moderna because they had blown a couple billion dollars on a product that had never made it to, to a market. This is $100 billion, and they're still spending the money on it. So you can bet your ass that it's not just for peaceful purposes that they want to do this. Because by the they you, you, you wouldn't they, get they that type of funding. Like take, take, for example, what I was trying to focus on, which was interventions and mapping to help children. <laughs> there ain't money for that, right? Yeah. But you would think it would be it, it would be the inverse. Everything is geared towards either extension of life at the end, I would argue, so they can milk uh, the last of your resources out of you, or the or, or what you're talking about, which is the um, weaponization of these um, agents, and well, the, the list is long as to what they can weaponize, but. Yeah, you want to, you yeah. want to try and help kids? No, nothing. No, <laughs> nothing at all. No, I mean, we're we're throwing money at Ukraine. We're throwing money at all these things, but it was very telling whether they the Democrats like it or not. The fact that you know uh, Biden didn't go to East Palestine and didn't send them crap for money. I mean, it took a month of of nagging by all sorts of people for the EPA to actually start testing some stuff. The EPA was there within 12 hours. I went back and looked. They, were, they responded within 12 hours. But magically, they weren't bothering to test the water or other things because, eh, yeah. I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. So, so, yes. So what we have here is we have a lab that nobody ever hears about that has never produced a successful vaccine ever. And yet we're pouring all these, these massive resources and our best minds and everything into understanding the HIV genome. Well, guess what? They do understand it incredibly well. In fact, here's a, 
Here's a big spoiler alert, folks. The reason why the Department of Energy, like the Los Alamos National Laboratory, has assessed that this virus came from a lab is probably because it's not natural, okay? This lab is the world's expert on HIV. So why would they assess anything on COVID, an entirely different virus? After all, um, Dr. Fauci said himself that, you know, that any link between the two viruses was a conspiracy theory. But remember, Dr. Fauci had known about the Furin cleavage site for at least three weeks prior to February 1st of 2020. But within 24 hours of a paper discussing the HIV inserts, he called a meeting where the world was on fire. Well, it's, so that, I, I wanted to ask you, so it's, we know that Redfield was cut out of those meetings, but in a clip I played yesterday, he basically said that he asked them to convene those meetings. You think that's true? And then they, then it's they entirely just... possible. Well, I mean, he, he was the CDC director. So when it comes down to it, he, there's, there's every reason to, for him to, to want to, to be trying to respond to this new virus. Now, I, he didn't know, I mean, the paper hadn't been published yet. So it, he, he probably didn't know about the link between the HIV and everything else because he didn't, it's possible he did, I don't know. But the fact that he wasn't there is incredibly disturbing. <laughs> it's incredibly disturbing. Now, why do I say that? Well, because, because Robert Redfield is an HIV expert. Interesting. I didn't know that. Robert Redfield's specialty in virology is HIV. In fact, in the early to mid-90s, he led an HIV vaccine trial using military members. Hmm. He is literally... Um, so he he, but he he would have picked it up straight away then that this was a well chimera of some form. So my my line of thinking is very much what what Jicky is sort of mentioned as well, which is as each domino falls, I think what they'll come back to is oh they were working on a live attenuated vaccine potentially for HIV. And I I think that would be a lie as well. Um I don't It is a lie. Yeah. In fact in this in this uh in the July Fourth live stream, what I said was is that because he said that, he's like, well the the first response is going to be that, well, this was a vaccine candidate. And my response was that's what they're going to try to do. But it's not true because, and it's specifically because all the parts that they would have taken out to make a vaccine were the parts that they left in on purpose. Like you just, it's almost as if you, 
I mean, I can't even think of a really good example, but just retaining all the worst parts of something when you know that they're the worst parts. And how do you know it's the worst parts? Well, because that's what all these people do their entire life. That's what they've been doing. That was this picture. Oh, where'd it go? So here we go. So now we're finally moving on to this. Okay. This is a paper that was published by Bet Korber on October 25th, 2019. Okay. And what they look at is eight different um, prototype sequences of HIV vaccines. Some from her, some from uh, NIH researchers. But this, but this was a study that was showing basically other scientists, hey, this is, this is the type of stuff that we do here, okay? Um, this is an example of us taking eight different vaccine prototypes, and we're looking at the epitope coverage to see um, A, like, so this first picture, really what it's showing is it, if you go from left to right, it's, it, it's showing the different proteins that were used for these mosaic viruses. And you have, so you have GAG, pole, VIF, envelope, NEF, and basically GAG and ENV, those are the two main epitopes that we care about because the furin cleavage site insert came from GAG, okay? And the other three inserts came from the envelope protein, which is also called GP120. And GP just stands for glycoprotein. So you can think of the envelope as the spike protein of HIV. And so here... Uh, could you just... Uh, okay, yeah, I can still see. So... Yeah, I'm about to... I'm about to zoom out. So this is, so what I did was, I sh this is where I, I took like a red, red little uh, squares and I put them to show where in the viruses or the four Pratham et al. inserts are. Um, and, and this one picture can help show why they didn't want to publish why they knew it was unnatural. Because the bottom line is, is that they know these epitopes exquisitely well. They know exactly what all these things can do. They've done different permutations where they took slices of five or six or seven amino acids and tested just those in and, and had them overlapping to test for the exact exact pieces that they would need to do whatever it was they wanted to do. Okay. And in this case, what you see is, and is it insert number four, which has the, the, um, the furin cleavage site. Um, it was actually two bookend pieces from a larger sequence. And if we zoomed in far enough, you could, what you basically see is that they almost always take out all of it, or at least a portion of it. 
you don't see much overlap here in the center of the screen. Okay. Because as like here in this one right here, you can see that in between those two they keep. <laughs> but those, but within the red bars, they they mostly didn't. That's how precise that they get. Okay. That's how precise that they get. And it's the same with with some of the other ones. Like, uh oh. Um this this other one right here they actually do tend to keep a good portion of it, but that's really the only one. For the most part, they're very precise about cutting out these specific pieces. So that's pretty damning. Yeah. yeah. This, this was two months before. Well, the, the, so the, vi the virus is already spreading when this was made. So this is cutting edge. They knew exactly so when Pratt and et al. came out with a paper on January 31st, of a small number of people in the world understood what these inserts meant because they would have immediately done what, what I did and gone back through. And I, I actually made a first version of this that was wrong because I didn't account for the, the different sequences because it wasn't just all one sequence. It was actually different variants so um i went back through which, which is what that Montagnier really pulled out right he i, I want to say it was him that identified all the different clades and the oh, what did he call it something elements oh exogenous exogenous um exogenous something on this game that's what i mean but yeah, I mean, he basically found where it wasn't even just these inserts. Actually, the first part of the spike protein has, at the nucleotide level, almost perfect match to various strains of, of HIV. And so... Thank the Lord for him and stepping up yeah. when he did. He didn't have to. No, nope. well, he was 89. He was 87 at the time, but mm. he didn't have to do shit. Mm. He had nothing to prove, and he did it anyway. So, so yeah, that's pretty damning. For So basically what people need to understand is that the furin cleavage site is the most important thing on this virus, this thing that made it a pandemic global virus. But it wasn't the only thing that they that they found in there. And these other three inserts, what they do is they work together to um, create this very attractive place that can uh, attach to dendritic cells, what's called the DC sign receptors. And basically what it does is the virus can enter the dendritic cells without infecting it necessarily and hitch a ride to the lymphocytes where it can then infect T cells directly. And, and this is exactly what happens with HIV. Exactly. And everybody, when, when the, uh, it's interesting because when well, isn't isn't the paper... there, there's a clip from 
Fauci, I want to say, where he's asked if he wanted to make a, I don't know, deadly new virus. He's asked, what, what, what would you add to it? And I want to say it's a, it would it would go for either CD4 or CD8 immune cell um, markers. And yeah, the fact we see this overlap and well, in my mind, it's just like the, he he knew once this stuff started dropping and you know, Pradnan and whatever you think of them, et cetera, they, um, once it started to get into the scientific domain, let's say, rather than published, that a lot of people would really focus in on on these aspects. And so they, they had their... Of course, their first option is is to squash it as quick as they can. So that's what they did. Yeah, you get the retraction, and then you get the. Um, I, I'm trying to remember who was. Wasn't it was Trevor Bedford, right? Who was making the argument that those uh, those inserts are just fragments. It could just happen randomly, etc. But but ignoring the. Um, their, their positioning within the the sort of secondary and tertiary structures of the, the peptides, and that's exactly right. Mm. He said, he said, um, uh, I'm trying to find it, but he said, he was specifically in this case referring to only the PRRA, but he said that this specific um, <laughs> set of four amino acids in no way, in no way resembles, uh, first of all, he said it, it's very, very tiny mm. and in no way resembles um, anything that would be engineered. Mm. What a giant, giant bold-faced lie. Yeah. And, and what I told Trevor Bedford on Twitter, when I pointed this out to him, I said, uh, well, that's really, really interesting that you would say that because by this time, on February 1st, when he said it, he already knew that it was the Furin Cleavage site. How? Because even if he, for some other way, didn't know, on Virological, which he was on there the day before, I went back and looked, and it shows like your activity. And so if you get his profile on the Internet Archive, you look at his activity, it'll show that he was liking things that same day or in the three days prior, which is three days prior to that is when Bill Gallagher put on his, like basically announced in English, the existence of the fear and cleavage side on there. Mm. And Trevor Bedford was there and virological gets like one post per day. And I mean that, I mean, that's not like a joke. Like it's not a very active place. Okay. Mm. It's an academic message board. So you can see, like he knew and he lied about the fact that it was a, if you're in cleavage site, and and once again, they waited six weeks after that before telling the world. And in those six weeks, it spread all throughout the world, precisely because it was so highly transmissible and highly virulent. So highly. And look, man, to all those that want to talk about um, infective clone release, etc., that just slots in as part of uh, a mechanism that is open to them should we be right. looking at something approximating a uh 
deliberate release. Yeah. And I would... I, I, I'm I'm trying to think if there would be there would be a way to look back in the data at the um, outbreak clusters to discern the patterns. But in 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 a case where you've got international flights, etc., and if we're in a situation where it was circulating prior to the official release date how 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 reliable that data would be it's it's outside my i don't know what i do know is that um we don't know what would have happened um but what we do know is that it was made worse whatever happened was made worse because they played this game and so, do you think uh, you know, there's a possibility that they were well, if if they were if they were just thinking that it was a natural spillover, etc., that it would fade into background like the original SARS would did. I mean, so. I'm sure there was a lot of scientists. I'm sure did think that. However, comma. Fauci was not one of those <laughs> because anybody who was really close in, in these systems knew for a fact that this thing wasn't natural. And it's just, it, it goes beyond, it's beyond, I mean, there's, there's not a chance in hell that they didn't know that it were, that it was unnatural because it's just, I mean, the statistical probability that those inserts appeared at where, that spot. Where, where at that time, they are, exactly where they are in the structure is, um, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, so, so for example, the, so the first thing that I showed in that July 4th stream was this picture. And what it shows is that. <clears throat> And, and see, this is where I was. This was the exact image that I was trying to use to explain to JC. Okay, this is what I mean. This is what I'm referring to. Okay, we have a gap right here. You see that, and I went to the sequence itself in the supplementary files to find this, and I did this for all those different, like there's 49 studies that I went through. <laughs> like, it took me like six weeks worth of time over time to go through all those studies and, and try and figure out, okay, what does this all mean? And I said, once I piece it all together, it was like, holy shit, this, this has to be it. Because here we have, um, these are different pieces of this mosaic vaccine and they stop at 363. And then the next piece of the gag protein that they take is from 391 to 459. So they carve out the sequence that's in between it. Okay, well, what's in between that sequence? Well, the PRRA, <laughs> the QTNSPERA, is between that sequence. And so when you think about that, and I pointed to this right here and said, hey, 
we look at this right here in this area what we see when you go back to the actual hiv vaccine and you look at all the research they have been removing this exact piece from vaccine candidates for decades this is another bet corber um, um paper and it's from this one is from 2016 so a completely different paper from 2016 once again does not have that segment and if you go back and look at uh, this one when you go back and look at here and you look at this this line right here once again there's eight vaccine candidates and guess what they always took out they always took out those exact pieces so and I remember us talking, I don't know, one or two streams ago when the class switching was a, an issue. And my mind is telling me that they did, they took these segments out because of that particular issue. Is that right? Well, the class switching typically comes not, not from the gag protein. It comes, that's the GP120 itself is the, is the highly antigenic. It's, um, it also can cause ADE. It also is a prion, like to make it. <laughs> so the three inserts, uh, besides the furiclebid side insert, the, the other three are the ones that ultimately make up this super attractive area that can do DC sign. And if you took the entire envelope protein, you you'd probably have a problem with ADE. Now, I don't know if these particular pieces do, because I'm not Bet Corber. Bet Corber can answer this question right now. <laughs> but I, I don't know that. But what we do know is that they wanted one of the primary functionalities of GP120, which was DC sign, and they made it work. And we know that it works because there's since been studies that show that not only is it transmitting through the pathway, but SARS-CoV-2 is, is creating the same antibodies, the same class of antibodies in this particular area as HIV does. So full stop, we know that this virus transmits using the DC sign pathway. And what was the DC sign pathway? It was one of the main things that they wanted to have in a virus in the diffuse proposal. So these four inserts, these four inserts fulfill two specific goals of the diffuse proposal right off the bat. You've it's seen um, EcoHealth's rebuttal to the Congress, congressional hearing, right? No, I haven't. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, why would they say? Well, but basically, so I haven't watched the whole of the congressional hearing, but diffuse is brought up from my understanding, and I want to say it was Metzl who did it, and their their cookie cutter response, of course, is that we 
didn't get funded for that study, so it's a uh, it's a miss in that. But I was looking at their 2015 RO1 grant, and they specifically say that they're going to be putting in um, inserts into you know it's vague in how they're describing it, but they're they're talking about using um, infective clones and what have you to um, create these chimeras to look for human pathogenicity and the well the the, <laughs> the class of grant that it comes under within the uh, bureaucracy of NIH first entry is biodefense right and and so that tells you that that's when you submit a grant, you have to put what it is that you want it to be funded under. And so they've obviously, they've labeled it first as biodefense. And that, and biodefense is just um, corporate gobbledygook for biowarfare technologies. That's correct. And you, by definition, you have to create the pathogen that you want to protect against to even test whether or not anything else that you make is going to work against it. And that's so that's you, precisely what they're doing. So, so even even if they can claim, well, you know, diffuse didn't get funded, so um, we can. It's not a arrow we can use in a, a attack, etc. It, do, it doesn't matter. They they were doing the research already. They had the funding for the research because that twenty fifteen ro one grant was in play. And I want to I want to say actually that. Um, So I'm I'm slow this morning. Uh, Andrew Huff was there during 2015, right? He would have been. He was. That's right. He was there during that grant being processed and them receiving monies for it. And I want. Yep. I wonder if we asked Andrew if he was an author on that grant or outright it. I think he was. I think he was overlooking it. I don't know if he actually wrote it or what, but he's he's not as he's not as familiar or well versed in the particulars and in the science of of what we're talking about here. Mm. So he like he he wouldn't really be able to speak to DC sign or or some of these other things. What, it, so what, he, what he can do, though, is just speak to the fact that they weren't operating in this conservation or that's how they wrap themselves, right? So it's a conservation outfit. That wasn't their game. Their game. No, that, was, that was not their game. Very much. That was, their, that was their game prior to 2008. Mm. What were they called? Weren't they out of like world... Wildlife Foundation, something like that. Uh, there was something. There was something that was completely, completely different, and it became not about conservation. It became about whoring themselves out to uh, to gain defense contracts. And they ain't the only ones, folks. <laughs> there's there's many, many, and that that's that's why this playing dumb from Twiv, which we watched earlier, is so nauseating. Because as you said. Um, 
Rasmussen. Most of, most of Ian Lipkin's grants, and, get, and understand that Ian Lipkin runs a, a lab or like a section. I think he's like, now he might be in charge of the whole like the virology department or whatever, but but he and, and, and Rackenuts are both, like they're big key figures there. They've both been there a long time. They both know what the fuck is going on. And Rasmussen was working under Lipkin on several defense contracts. So was Gary down at Tulane and had been for three decades. In fact, Gary um, owns a, you know, a medical countermeasure startup that's based out of Maryland, not far from Fort Detrick. Okay. So I, w- I wonder if his offices went up in that tank of catching on fire a couple of weeks ago, right? That was right next to uh, Fort Detrick. I hope so. <laughs> Boy, did I say it loud? <laughs> But it might it might just be them burning evidence. Oh, you mean like in uh, Kiev? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Quick, we've got I mean, we've I got love, a uh, a useful that. bonfire. Get it. Throw the hard drives in quick. Now, understand, like having come from the Department of State, like if you're in an embassy and it gets attacked and you're afraid it's going to be overrun, well, one of the, one of the things the Marines do is. In fact, their main mission is to protect classified material, not to protect human beings. Yeah. That's their secondary mission. And so if they get overrun, and they know they're going to get overrun, they'll, they'll burn all the classified documents. So, but you wouldn't burn them if you're not going to get overrun. <laughs> right. I mean, if you're not going to get overrun, I don't know why you'd be burning documents. So, um, in fact, I don't even know if the if that was at the embassy in Kiev, I don't know if that might've been like a lab or something, but whatever that was, that was evidence being burned. That's what that was. Sure. So disgusting. It's, that's, and look, the, these are the reasons why I think you're getting ghosted, right? Uh, because it's- Probably a decent chance, yeah. They don't. They don't, they don't want, want to get the, on this road. They don't want the full truth. They want bits that they can feed to the masses and well, keep keep playing the game. I guess. Yes, you know, I like the kick kick the can down the road analogy because you know, that's that's what they're doing, and all we can hope is that we we're, we're shutting down the distance with which they can. Um, each time try and pull uh, a narrative out their arse and again keep people distracted pushing the can down the road and for all those people that listen if they'll they'll go bananas right now with trying to push viruses aren't real mark my words you'll see you'll see that be amplified to the nth degree you see the well and and infectious clones the fact that they can't they can't propagate what does that do? Well, if they diminish our ability to create something that's highly transmissible, then they draw attention away from the bioweapon aspect of it. And that is completely retarded. And I say that, but it's actually, I mean, it's, it's even more retarded than that. I, there's not a word for profoundly mentally handicapped. Cooid. Um, 
What's that? Cooid. Into a yeah. uh, you have to you have to eat a lot of Scooby snacks to get to the point where um, where that makes sense because it doesn't make sense. But what they want to do is that they desperately want to keep the defense aspect out of this because they want to use it again, bro. <laughs> they don't want it dismantled. Exactly. Well, I mean, what, they're going full hawk. They're going full bore into mRNA. Mm. So that tells me that um, that you know it, it's hard for me to see a future where they uh, throw a bone to children's health events, for example, because they're spending billions on shifting all vaccines over to this new thing. I, I just really think they're going to try to cover it up. Like, I think they believe that they can do that. Yeah. I don't know how, but. Um, well, one one is the just the technical um, edifice that people have to develop to, you know, understand the evidence in front of them. Right? That, that, that there's such a jump from, you know, most most people have. A, a working understanding of how classical vaccines work, right? You give an antigen and some something to sort of attract the immune system to that particular um, antigen that you've put in there, and um, you you develop supposedly, we want to believe that a um... <laughs> uh... <laughs> Oh, dude. I'm listening. I'm just... <laughs> I've lost my train of thought now. That they would. Well, I've, I've said it. I've said it before. It comes down. It comes down to this. That I think they'll break off the the red meat for the the vaccine injured that were were hurt. Right. We know. We know this is a thing over the last few decades, and the insane schedule that um, the US seems to have with respect to all these um, shots, they'll break that off and say, yeah, okay, we goofed. And now we're, we're and in that feeding frenzy, they can keep directing people away from the, the biowarfare aspects of it. And I, I, well, I, I, you would miss, miss the target by falling into that particular um, rabbit hole right now. Yep. That's what, this is what they want to hide. They want to hide the fact that in the entire pantheon of biological warfare agents, <clears throat> fear and cleavage plays a massively central role. Both for both the transmission reasons but also for the immunosuppressive um, mechanisms that come along with it. And so it, it shouldn't be a shock to people that the number seven item on the list, um, staphylococcal enterotoxin B, is itself within the virus. So basically it's a combination of more than one type of biological. 
SARS-CoV-2 right, is it's, a it's worse than combination that, biological weapon. It's, it's worse than that because it's it's not so much the sequence, it's the the confirmation of secondary structures which give enter, enterotoxin B like properties, right? That's my understanding. Right. Well, I, it's the, well, it's the worst. It's the worst part of it because it's the actual toxin piece, and it. Uh, look, there's so there's so many different aspects of this virus that are so bad that are unique. Um, the SARS-CoV-2 virus is a, is a combination of several different biological weapons or or the worst aspects of those several biological weapons, including the GP120 epitope, which they tried forever. They've tried forever to mix that in with things because they love the immunosuppressive aspect of it. So when you have a super antigen and immunosuppression, if you're in cleavage, you figure um, HIV would make that list. Pions. Well, you know, I I don't know why they didn't include it. But, but SARS-CoV-2 is actually worse, okay? Because what you do is you've taken, you know, 0.04% of the HIV genome, at least. Well, I guess we don't include all the EIEs that... Montagnier talks about, but, but just talk about these four inserts, that's a tiny fraction of the overall HIV genome. But if you're able to replicate its worst um, ability, then it, it's so much better. And if you can aerosolize it, which they have done, I mean, this, this is an incredibly powerful biological weapon and it's, it's no surprise that if you've been watching which i don't but i happened to catch i found a looking on rumble i found a paul cattrall uh george webb interview from like a month ago where they're talking about how the chinese during the recent outbreak were using large scale using um a certain hiv drug that they're trying to prevent it from uh, transcribing to the genome. Yeah, I mean, for all his silver grifting, <laughs> Cottrell was. Yeah, he stayed on. He stayed on point with this particular issue. I, I mean, my only thing is just selling, selling, you know, <laughs> therapies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he. I think he draws some incorrect conclusions about some things. Um, but in in the the basic understanding is correct in that we don't uh it's i mean it's not reverse transcript day like that's not what these inserts are from these inserts aren't that from the hiv virus okay what they are is um allowing it to infect the t cells this is less about reverse transcription than about just getting into the yeah, it's just called, it's it's an assault on mu immune posture, such that you you yeah. could allow opportunistic infections to 
wreak more more harm. And, that's exactly right. Um, I think I think that's what we're seeing right now, particularly on the back of them gene transfecting it the way that they did. And you know that's something that the Chinese made a point of not doing. Right. Right. They, their vaccines were what do you call it inactivated whole whole yeah. virus inactivated some of them were adenovirus um, but they were not mrna now here here so you don't need the reverse transcriptase of hiv if if you're already packaging the, the RNA, if you're packaging the mRNA in a certain way, where you can bypass so many of the body's defense systems, um, you're you're basically giving it. You're putting it on a magic carpet and sending it directly into all the places that you don't want it to go. Mm. So we can't say for sure exactly what's happening once it gets inside the nucleus, but. Um, you know, and Jackie's done a lot of work in this area, and other, and other people have. But the bottom line is, it's bad. Yeah. And, and the other bottom line is, they knew it was bad. Hang now on, I've got I've got an F in the chat. Have we stopped? Uh... And the other bottom line is, uh, they knew it was bad. It's okay. We're good. We're good, bro. Sorry. We're good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's let this run for like a couple minutes. Because I want to, uh, I just want people to understand that we've already had this discussion. Like we already figured this out seven months ago. This might even give you a chance to get a drink of water or something. But, but this, I think, says what really needs to be said. I, I, and I, I, I do need to fill my cup. So, okay, yeah. So I'll, I'll go ahead and play this. And what I want people to understand is that we could have we could have been talking about this for the last seven months or eight months now, and we haven't been. Instead, we've been talking about infectious clones. And this right here is what matters because this is what the Department of Energy report is actually saying that they're not telling us about. And I hand-delivered it to JC, and, and we're wasting time the more that we don't talk about it. Encoding subtype B, A, and C of yeah. the modified envelope protein. That's, but I, so that's, that's not even the best part to me, like, but that's huge because that is one of the, they are saying the opposite and using that as the argument, saying why it has to be BS. The, like, Prahan et al was attacked because they're like, oh yeah, this, this is insane. And the entire time, all of these scientists knew that the leading method for making an HIV vaccine in 2019 was to do exactly this. Um, I believe the best way to translate that is that is fucked up. <clears throat> but it gets better. <laughs> it gets better. Um, so the other piece of this is on the left-hand side, there's a little image taken from a 2019 paper of the, from a Bette Korber, who's actually at Los Alamos, Los Alamos National Laboratories. 
and they do a lot of the like number crunching before the prototypes get put together. And so in this case, they were thinking of a, of a new um, version of this conserved region thing. Is that little, your little offspring daughter there? Did I hear? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. nice. Um, so, but I, what I did on the left-hand side, all that really matters is that I circled where they, they, they took the gag protein and they broke it into two, they took mo like most of it, but then they broke it into two pieces because they took out like 25 pieces. My brain's fried at the moment, but, but basically, so there's a, there's a tiny little piece, a little segment that's gone. You guess what that segment is. That's where the S1 slash S2 cleavage site is on the HIV protein. If you if you take those numbers because they're special for HIV, and you you realign them to the numbers for the SARS-CoV-2 virus, that circled part on the right hand side. Like I, I, I did, I took the segments and I bracketed them to show that the exact thing in the middle between those two pieces is. QT, it's everything. It's a sodium channel, it's the furin cleavage site, right. the special version of it, it's the QT, QT, and S, it's all, like the SEB, it's all right there. And in every, every, in every study that I have found from 2006 to 2019, from, uh, you know, the WIV or from NIH or whoever, they've always taken out that furin cleavage site. Always. So why? Why? Uh, because now what, what they're trying to say is that the furin cleavage site is natural, which is bullshit. <laughs> because it's obviously from HIV. But they don't keep it in the HIV vaccine. So why would they do it? Why would they? We need we need an independent in we need an independent molecular biologist to confirm this. We need somebody who uh, is is not naive, but uh, um, let's say could be asked to do this alignment without being told why it's being done so that they would say, oh, wow, that's interesting because I mean, not to, I'm not being a shithead. I'm just trying to say that that if this is true and I can over the weekend even or over this week, try and figure out, teach myself how to verify this somehow using BLAST. That would be a stark revelation that up until now, no one knows. Like that, if this okay. unique I, insert... That I is, hope I didn't find this, but yes. Like, I... Yeah, but I mean, we're getting really down to the heart of it then, right? Because I've been saying this from the beginning, that they are making us focus on these four amino acids exactly. because those four amino acids are what they want us to pay attention to. And in reality, what you are identifying is a larger fragment that other people have identified different parts of as well, that a lot of different searches have queued off as an alarm bell. And if you have made this connection where the the various designs of these HIV vaccines 
have omitted a sequence of HIV which contains a furin cleavage site and is identical to this one. I'm sure that that has not been said yet. I'm sure I've never heard anyone say that yet. Yeah, now, so... So, uh... Yeah, you like you why, laid it out there, bro. I mean... And, and you know what's sad is that we still haven't heard that. Because he stopped talking about this. And is now talking about something that... It, it's baked into the beginning that goes past this. I mean, yeah, but it's baked into the beginning, right? So, Pete, so I saw the thing where he was sort of looking at a stream where actually it was me and Paul Cottrell and him. And, you know, again, props to Paul for laying it out where he's he's talking about recombinant synthetic biology as being part of the, uh, the spike protein. Now, I get it if people aren't fully tuned into that if you're not in a life science type um degree or what have you but the you know the, it was was understood and from the get-go that you're you're dealing with um the the ability to with high fidelity make make these inserts right it, it it's just been it's been part of modern biology for too long and like i say if, even when i did my undergraduate degree it was it was kind of emerging as a as a useful technique and you know this was prior to human well the human genome project was just getting going when i did my undergraduate degree and so um but the there was a there were, well in my mind there was an implicit understanding that you can make what you want f via these processes and once you start ligating because you know that I, I can remember back then there was a sort of upper limit to how how much you can stack into a plasmid and that's why they look at um yeast artificial chromosomes as a as a another another avenue of making larger genomes i guess for for ligating together which is what ebola chan does right um so that's exactly right um it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me in my mind that he would be going down this particular pathway when there's a um any anyone who would be in the biology domain who has been trying to speak out against this has this implicit understanding and I, I don't know i guess it, i don't know for jonathan everyone should have been saying infective clones from the beginning but i don't I guess so I, I, it doesn't make sense to me because it would just it's it's artificial artificial constructs that are the problem here and... Well, the, the the bottom line is that is is that we have evidence that they work, and regard regardless of all of that, we we now have evidence that 
even if they're disseminating this every single day in, in millions of different places and, and whatever, okay, first off, long COVID is real. <laughs> and, and we know it because it's it's the same thing that that Garth Nicholson pointed out or or uh uh, Judy Mikevitz pointed out in terms of, you know, um, chronic fatigue syndrome or multiple sclerosis or uh, for all these autoimmune problems, they're naturally occurring, but they're also occurring because of chemicals that are that are contaminating. They're also occurring because, like what Garth Nicholson explained, where obviously they were trying to weaponize mycoplasma and they were trying to weaponize weaponize gp120 that's, why do you think that's so that? dark that avenue bro and it, it needs it, it needs to be more front and center we have all we have all of this historical evidence showing we have congressional testimony from garth nicholson from 1997 and 1998 stating that it appears that one of the one of the things that mixed baked up into this cake is that we're doing biological weapons research, which of course we can't admit to, and we won't admit to. But but what was the the most successful? What was the line they were trying the hardest to investigate? Uh, immunosuppression using GP120 from retroviruses. Okay, so we have a clear example of them trying to hone in first over a decade or two of honing in on GP120. And here, with SARS-CoV-2, we have what appears to me the perfect result from... Now, what system would you need to, to be able to pare down, to get, to get right down to the specific parts of the specific GP120? Well, you would need the Los, Al Los Alamos National Laboratory Computer System database of HIV epitopes. That's what you would need. So... You also, no. you, also, you also need test platforms as well. And so right. my, my concern has been that the um, high affinity for neuropillin means that they've been running it through monkeys, at least. Probably. At least monkeys, not, not to say humans. And with the Garth Nicholson data, who's to say that they weren't putting it into testing it in prisoners um, for decades I'm sure they were. anyway? And yeah, that uh, th well, this is <laughs> and for for the people for the people. I just want to remind them. Okay, what we're talking about there is is experiments. Garth Nicholson was the head of the MD Anderson Cancer Research Center at UT Austin, like premier cancer research place on the planet. He was a Nobel Prize nominee for cell membrane uh, stuff. So he's pretty smart, okay? And and that was like, I think he was a Nobel Prize nominee in like the 80s. <laughs> so he's been around for a while. And his daughter got Gulf War syndrome. And so he became interested in that. And through testing that, he discovered all this weaponized mycoplasma stuff. And through that, he found these prisoner things in the 80s where the, the prisoners were infected with mycoplasmas that had you know, transfected um, 
different proteins. So when we looked at earlier, the different proteins with the gag, the pole, the neph, the envelope. From HIV, they had these inside the mycoplasma that were infecting them. And there were and there were um, not published studies, but there were um, Defense Department and NIH supported studies of mycoplasma and the effect on immune systems of human beings, and they used prisoners as, in Texas as test subjects. Okay, and those prisoners had these different pieces, and then we found evidence because we had given biological weapons to the Iraqis. So we saw that a lot of the Gulf War syndrome soldiers had mycoplasma, but only the envelope, only the GP120 protein inside of them. So once again, what, what people need to think of this as is as a funneling down, as a, as a tightening down on the stuff that they that really matters, what they really want. So they knew by the late 80s that they wanted this GP120. And they've been testing it ever since. And magically, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, a novel natural coronavirus from a bat, um, somehow has the, the absolute minimal perfect epitopes <laughs> identified in these vaccine databases of vaccine epitopes. There's not a chance in Hades this thing is natural. No. There's not a chance in Hades that they didn't know what these epitopes were. Plus, on top of that, you have to stack the um, cholinergic attack pathways as well and the overlap with conotoxins rabies right i mean taking so taking eight amino acids um and pulling out the insides of the stuff that's in between them from the gag protein because the, what we call the furinocleavage site it wasn't a furinocleavage site on the gag protein it's the right sequence but that doesn't mean it's a furinocleavage site so but they took that, they put it in the S1, S2 cleavage location where it would go for SARS. They added the QT, QT and S, which is from a, just down or upstream from it. And magically, <laughs> that happens to make two thirds of this uh, super antigen toxin motif, which I believe is 13 or 14 amino acids in total. Now, how do we know that, that that 13 amino acids is is meant to be a super antigen? Well, a super super antigens like SCP were weaponized, they were stockpiled, and the full genomic link of a super antigen is or of the toxin like thing itself is uh, I want to say 250 amino acids but only a tiny fraction of it is relevant in terms of being a super antigen. And one of the things I, and what, and Stephen Hatfield, who used to work on this for US AMRID at Fort Detrick. The Pats. He lists, yeah, yeah. He, he lists, 
In fact, so he knows about these motifs. And you can go to other references, which I've found, that show the the toxic motif from SEB, SEA, B, C, D, G, all the way through F, whatever, from like the 90s. They knew exactly. In fact, I had it. I was having a Twitter argument with uh, Clucky about this like a month ago because she was like, well, it doesn't mean that it's not actually the super antigen. And I was like, ah, well, actually it is <laughs> because, because they know this because this isn't the first go around with this. And I went back and I showed that not only does it produce antibodies to SCP, but this is the exact functional motif section from it. So just because we don't have a lot of literature on it doesn't mean it's not true. Well, it, 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 and, plays, it plays into the class switching again, which is, a, it, they knew that. Which SCB also does. Yeah. SCB also causes, super antigens cause class switching. Why? Because they're so antigenic that they're like the perfect way to cause class, they're triggered for it. In fact, that might even be one of the reasons why they put it in there. Who knows? Yeah, and it, you know what people need to understand is why why would they aim for class switching as a end state? And it comes down to your ability, your body's ability to fend off infection such such that critical organ systems are not being infected. And so if you if you can knock out that defense, then what you're doing is, is you're allowing in these pathogens to those to those critical systems. And again, think brain, um, cardiac areas where the inflammation begins to occur because you've got um viremic part of viremia ongoing. And you've and it's spitting out these toxic peptides, which can lead to this protein misfolded state, and that state can be quickly, or, or that condition can quickly overwhelm the body's ability to degrade and um, eject uh, these toxins. Bastards as well. <laughs> You've gotta be some dark evil son of a bitch, man, to be thinking, Ah, yeah, let's let's keep pushing down this avenue. Let's keep looking at what it what it does. I mean I've literally I've never come across good news in the last year. I never have. I keep on finding more and more evidence of that they knew that they were intentionally doing these things. And it's just horrific. I mean, this was, if I remember correctly, there were, there was a one or two co-authors from Patterson and Al that worked on this paper. I could be wrong on that. But here, they were looking at, at these at these epitopes. Well, all those Indian names, they all sound the same, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, actually, <laughs> it's not just, the fact that they're Indian names. Um, actually, I take that back now that I look at the authors. They're not. I know I need to sneeze. But, no um, offense, Indians. But No, no. But uh, Varshney and, uh, and 
Agarwaller to the two familiar names. So anyway, so here's another uh, view of the inserts. And, and what this what this uh, study did was they, they found 13 antigenic epitopes that uh, you should be looking out for. So like these are the things, like the immune system is going to zero in in these areas because they're just like like flashing bulbs. Well, one of them is the furin cleavage site. Now note that of these 13, four of them are the four inserts. And of course you can see like, yes, these are, these are highly, highly antigenic. So, the, so even if they were natural and they were random, et cetera, they just so happen to be in the perfect spot and they just so happen to be four of the most antigenic parts on this virus. I'm sure it's a coincidence, but, uh, yeah, just, it just, yeah, it's not a coincidence. Yeah. It's, it's, That's not how this works. No way. No how. And that has their goal been to try to get to this widespread, um, class switched endpoint. So, and like I said, we don't, we don't know what the long-term effects of that are but I, I mean i would i would make a presumption well no I, I, we know what those effects are because we can see them already in the data which is the increased um deaths from dementia and um the cardiovascular um effects which uh well yeah because that's that is when you suppress the immune system you're not just going to have potential autoimmune issues. You're not going to have opportunistic infections. You're going to have cancers. You're going to have amyloid, neurodegenerative stuff. Like it's so horrific. And people want to say, okay, well, we can't say for sure that this is related to this and that and the other thing. But when we have such massive increases in excess death, it has to be this. I mean, think of all the toxins that have been pumped. In, and by the way, this is a, this right here is a picture from a from a East Palestine. Um, there was, and this picture was scrubbed from the internet. Really? Like the, the, a, a journalist uh, told me about it. That he wrote a he wrote an article, just a small, quick article, very early on, and this was this image was scrubbed from the internet. I had to go back and find it. So there you go. That's East Palestine right there. Mm. But see, East Palestine is the type of thing where our bodies are constantly bombarded with toxins, chemicals. I mean, children's health events, part of the raison d'etre, other than vaccines, is, is just all these chemicals. So we're already getting toxic doses of things. But... You know what it reminds never... me of, dude? Have you ever seen... What's that? Um... It's not the first Omen movie. I want to. I want to say it might be number two, where it, he's they're running the. They've got that. You know, he's in inserted himself into this. Uh, I can't remember the name of the corporation, and the they're talking about how they uh, are, are attacking the food sources, and it's a priest talking about it, and. Describe. Someone, please find me that link. It's from one of the 
Omen movies, and that it's the corporations talking about how they're attacking uh, a sort of fundamental fabric of existence through these sort of chemicals to to you know you think you're getting fed, but instead you're in a uh, you're you're in a famine state because you're not getting the right nutrients, etc. Some, some, they're walking they're walking around a, a greenhouse. Someone someone please find me a, a link for that. It's a very very famous scene. It's not the first movie. It's the second or the third one. And um it just encapsulates I think the uh the space in which we find ourselves right now. And you know the I don't know, I mean this is a this is a question that probably you could answer which is how much like the threat assessment process how much is sort of looking at this these types of events as being leveraged by an adversary adversary that um you know one might be you know they happen all the time but you know second time that's odd but then after that is enemy action um how how much time was spent by your sort of unit looking at these sort of events and how they were tied together? I mean, I know Andrew was involved in that with his um, thesis, but um, I think someone's found. Well, I mean, we, like, in doctrine, like, they, they talk about, like, a whole range of possible things that can happen, okay, you know? We have to be careful of. Oh, I've got it. Right. Yeah. Let me let, let me play this scene from for you for you answer that question. Otherwise, I'll forget. Yeah, okay, it. hold on. Let me share my screen with you. Yeah. There's Omen Two, Omen Scene. Wonderful. This better be good. <laughs> it's it's great, and this is from I want to say, seventies, Omen movies. No matter how you slice it, Paul. What you're saying is that we should give up our leadership in electronics. Still, you're wrong. My report points to the indisputable fact that Thorn Industries' main interest is in energy and electronics. What I'm maintaining is that because of this bias, sure, we ignore what's going on oh, here at this plant. Sorry, bro. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what do I want to do? Sound is very low, unfortunately. No matter how you slice it, Paul, what you're saying is that we should give up our leadership in electronics. Still, you're wrong. My report points to the indisputable fact that Thorn Industries' main interest is in energy and electronics. What I'm maintaining is that because of this bias, we tend to ignore what's going on here at this plant. And we ignore it at our own risk. Our profitable future, aside from energy, lies also in famine. What? Well, that statement is typical of you, Paul. It's heartless and, and true. It... Not heartless, realistic. Casarian, hold it here. Are these solutions designated? No, not yet. Uh, each tank has a different fertilizer and pesticide. They won't be designated until we bump it into the experimental crop beds. All right, let's go on. One person dies of starvation every 8.6 seconds, seven every minute, 420 every hour. 10,000 every day. To feed these people, we have to farm the ocean. 
We have to develop new strains of high-yield, disease-resistant grain crops. The oil countries didn't hesitate to put their fingers on our jugular vein. So, what's so different about food? If you've got a knife at your belly, you'll keep your hands at your sides. Why then call my policy unethical? It's callous and inhuman, and in my opinion, illegal. What is inhuman or illegal about feeding people? Telephone, Mr. Thorne. I'm not available. It's an emergency, sir. Bill's point is if we control the food people eat, it's tantamount to making slaves of them. Ah, customers. But you want us to buy up their land. That's right. Thorns already have the hardware and knowledge that's easily adaptable to the purpose of large-scale and highly sophisticated farming. This, together with the pesticides and fertilizers we're producing, give us the jump on any governmental or corporate entity in the world. If we control their land, we make them tenants. Bill, we make their bellies full. I have to agree with Paul. I'll be right back. Marion died in her sleep last night, a coronary. I'm sorry. Yeah. I've got to... She, got, she died of coincidence. Yep. <laughs> but, I, I mean, my point being that um, a, lot of, a lot of what I mirrors this sort of thinking, and, you know, I had this great discussion with Sparkus in the week, where, again, he sort of lays out how um, they're aiming to make us dependent as a, a renter class in, in whatever program they've got spinning up. Yep. And, you know, the it's difficult to look at that black plume. <laughs> Literally a scene from, I don't know, Heronius Bosch. And the, you're supposed to just forget that that happened right well you don't see it in the news now right but all that shit's dropped on this on the ground somewhere and yep all right you were getting to the point about um children's health defense and their other being their other sort of focus being um the, the chemicals in in our environment i think i think that's where i interrupted you for this Sorry. well i mean um... My point is basically just to say that they knew that we're already bombarded with everything that we've been bombarded with. So we already have baked in a certain amount of of disease and death that that caused that's been caused by everything. So if we could shift to like a healthier lifestyle instantaneously overnight, well, we we would almost certainly see a positive sigma level jump in you know lengthening mortality and better standards of life and everything and and we don't know what that burden is so the real tragedy here is that east palestine and things like that are baked into the cake and we're probably it's not going to it's not big enough to produce a signal to be honest i mean at least not yet but COVID not, is not yet. But if you if you say it was targeted at the Amish, for example, because they 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 that is a perfect control population, right? They would have they grow their own food. They yeah, I mean, in the long term, in the long term, it's it's terrible, and and the fact, and you can tell that. The number one thing on the people's mind isn't the people because 
they wouldn't have been so quick to let them back in. And they would have been more diligent about how they were handling the response and, and everything like that. I mean, the, the entire place is probably a super fun site now and they just don't want to say it. But what I'm saying is that, and, and, and actually there are people who are saying that I don't know. There were people who were saying, oh, no, you need to evacuate the East Coast because, you know, this is everywhere. It's going to kill 100 million people. Probably not. But at the same time, it's probably way, way worse than, than what we even understand right now. But, but the COVID pandemic and the vaccines and, and everything that's wrapped up into this is global and massively bigger. <laughs> and that's the really terrible thing about this is that is that East Palestine by itself might you might see on 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 the national scale in 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 20 years from now a a sizable noticeable jump in something. But the COVID-19 pandemic and the vaccines are causing between a six and a nine sigma level rise in several different categories, including lethal ones. The dying just straight excess death. We're talking once in a million years level events. So in the history of our species, you know, apart from maybe, you know, a, a giant meteor 500,000 years ago that killed whatever, well, there, there was a volcanic <laughs> eruption. I want to say it was like 70,000 years ago. I, I forget the name of it right now, but... Um... Well, there's several, yeah. There, there's several volcanic eruptions. I mean, Tambora in, in 1816 or 15, whatever. Um, there's been different ones that, like, they caused climatic shifts and, and a summer that never came, etc. I think it was 1815 or 16 in, in England. But... But this is this is actually worse because because it truly is global for the first time, and and I mean, and obviously, as I've said before, when we're when we're losing more, you know, adults, healthy adults, the eighteen to sixty four, and we're losing ex in excess deaths only. We're losing a Vietnam's war worth of them every six months or more. Um, so just just to, for the record, it was the youngest Toba eruption seventy four thousand years ago, and I, I, like I say, in that in that event, they they think we were down to like a few thousand breeding pairs of humans. Right. Okay. So so that that's a good example, right? That's the last time that. There's been anything like this, and so the fact that they're that they're gaslighting us and pretending like, oh, this was a supremely terrible event, oh, but it's over now. Um, I mean, it's horrific because once again, East Palestine is just like most of those things can't move the needle, but the COVID nineteen pandemic, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, this event is killing. Um, historic, unprecedented amounts of people. Let's see if I can find 
There's one other graphic I really wanted to show. Well, the, the important thing is it's not just um, where people want to point to the legislation being changed around how to treat, etc. For sure, that was used as, I, I would argue, right now, with hindsight, it was used to maneuver the population to accept en masse an experimental gene, gene transfection. Absolutely. And um, we, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that any and all the non-COVID-related deaths which are being sustained right now, as, as Charles was saying, ridiculous, six, seven, sigma changes in baseline. Um, that that isn't remdesivir. That isn't hospital protocols. This is this is happening out in the uh, the the world at, at large and beyond where you would the kill box of a hospital, right? And people people shouldn't forget that. And they shouldn't they shouldn't forget the fact that you're dealing with a impact on well pop, population health such that and, and we I looked at a paper this week where we were looking at the um, fingerprint in the brain where they're trying to tease out um, the causal mechanisms for the lethargy and the the pain and you know it's where i've always tried to guide people to this you have to understand these corticobasal ganglia networks and you know they've if they if they've known about all this other these other knock-on consequences for sure they knew about how the the impact that it would have on on the brain and you know it's not new per se because like i say mecfs has been a feature of the clinical experience I guess for want of a better expression for oh, many 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 years I, I like say at least 30 years because I can remember when I was at university and I got hit they were like oh they called it yuppie flu back then when I was yep. uh, um, when I were a wee lad and you know there was a well there was just an attitude of um, we don't, we can't find what it is in the in your blood work, etc. And there just there wasn't the imaging capabilities to look at your brain and um, you know sort of functional connectivity that type of thing. This is, these are all relatively recent um, developments, and so I would that would sort of lead us into an area where okay, they had this, you know, if they were take uh, I've gotten the HIV GP120 in the mycoplasma what Gallagher mm. what's that guy's oh, name uh, Nicholson Nicholson um so they they knew they had something but they didn't really back then but it would have been very very difficult to tease out even if you did like full autopsies and stuff Right. Say they say they were snagging prisoners out, and they they were doing full autopsies back in the eighties. I think it would they would have struggled to put their finger on you know uh, a debilitating pathology in the in, in the tissue they would have been looking at. 
And it's only within the last 10 years that I think that that technology has sort of emerged where they, where they could do that. And so it kind of points to this assault, I guess, this, this, this time round as emerging out of these new technologies. So let's, let's say a 10 year window. So that puts us very much in the, um, domain of, you know, whether WEF type, the, mid the middle management is coming together and becoming more, more public, I guess. And, you know, I, I would much as, uh, I don't want people to hyper fixate on them for sure. They've got their ideological underpinnings, much, much like those, uh, weasels we just saw in Omen, Omen 2. Well, there. well, just the fact that uh, obviously there's some people around the globe who understand what's happening. And just like there are people around the globe who are following the special virus cancer program, who are learning about this, these interplays between cancers and and viruses and, and other mechanisms within the body, like uh, furin and hypoxia, and 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 how to um, induce autoimmunity or immunosuppression. And so, so they've they've been following all this stuff, and there's really very few places, there's really very few countries on the planet that could pull this off. And it, it, it's hard. We created the HIV epitope database. We created it at one of our most secure high-tech facilities, one of our best labs with our brightest minds. And we set them almost entirely on looking at a single virus genome or viruses like it. And what were they looking for? Why did they really need to spend that much time, put hundreds of thousands of HIV genomes of different variations in there? What are they going to do with that information? Well, it seems pretty clear that what they were doing with this information, in part, was building biological weapons. Okay? Because this... So when the Dewey report came out and everybody was like, oh my gosh, what, what does this mean? Well, let me tell you what it means. What it means is that uh, the United States has researched HIV to the hilt sometimes for reasons associated with biological weapons research, at the very least. We've created a massive database from which we could know anything you'd, like the basics of the functionality for any of the epitopes in HIV. So we were we were able to identify what epitopes were best to do what, how they function, how we, what we would need to do 
to reproduce those effects inside a completely different virus. And then the number of labs in the world that could do that to this degree with this specificity and precision was pretty short. But Luke Montagnier was right. Just like JC says in this video and about like five minutes later into that video, he says, Luke Montagnier was right. After, I might add, he, I, I like zoom in and I show it again and he's like, oh yeah, oh, and then he makes that face that I, mm. and then blew up and put there because he realized, yeah, it's pretty fucking obvious. It's pretty obvious that you cannot have missed these epitopes. I, can, I don't care. You have the world's greatest minds. There's not just in Hades they missed this stuff. In fact, by January 13th, they explicitly state in their peer-reviewed papers that they, that they chose to keep the fear and cleavage site. And, by the way, they also kept these epitopes. And they are still attacking them. So you know your enemies by what they attack, okay? And, and but Fauci didn't like scramble around and try to hide the fear and cleavage site, okay? Within 24 hours, he was trying to hide these inserts. Because what do those other three inserts do? Well, let's look at them. And here in this, and for this image, I I brought up a, a, a study from 2001, or I'm sorry, no, I take that back. I was gonna say 2021, but it's actually September, 2022. And nobody ever saw this paper and made any noise about it. And it's uh, evolutionary remodeling of N-terminal domain loops fine tunes the SARS-CoV-2 spike. One of the authors, by the way, is Spiros Lytris, who is one of the authors on one of the two Morobi papers from July, <laughs> dealing with the Wuhan spike. He gets he gets missed, but he's he's around in, in several papers along this vein. In fact, there's also a, a Jonathan Coey. <laughs> so only, only missing one letter. Uh, I thought that was funny. But anyway... So what Spiros and friends, they're, they're talking about the N loops. And, <laughs> and once again, just like it has happened in other papers, they're pointing out like the evidence, but they're pretending that it's something else. Okay. Now, what they've noticed is that the, the N terminal loops are longer than in other coronaviruses. That's kind of strange. Really? They're longer? How much longer? Well, by about the same amount as the length of the inserts that are in those loops. Now, just like in HIV, although with slightly different functions, this virus and other viruses, they'll have like loops that are glycosylated that are, that are designed to to be flexible and mutate quickly so that way they can mutate around the defenses. And um, that's what makes it that's what makes it hard, especially with the HIV virus, because the, the body can't keep up with the quick changing part of this. And so they look at these, in this case, they're called something different on on HIV. But when you put them into here, ultimately what they do is 
these are the three inserts, by the way, that do the DC sign receptors. And here they say, um, uh, this evokes a scenario in which NTD loops can be gained or lost through genetic insertion, deletion. Indeed, a recent study indicates that template switching by SARS-CoV-2 polymerase allows insertion of RNA sequence of viral host, a viral and host origin at these sites, which is bullshit. So what they're trying to do here is create an, an, an excuse or, or, or an answer to a very troublesome problem, which is that uh, that these loops look unnatural in SARS-CoV-2. And they're also highly variable loops. So what they're trying to do is get people to believe that these loops could, must have just come from recombination and they're natural, basically. However, our analysis suggests there's a potential limit on loop length. Hmm, interesting. Okay, well, so that's interesting. But the problem, as you've already stated in this paper, is that these loops are longer. In fact, the next sentence they say, the N2, 3, and 5 loops of SARS-CoV-2 are among the longest observed so far in like coronavirus, like period, um, suggestive of a functional ceiling on loop length. Notably, it is these loops that are becoming shorter in the majority of emergent variants. Okay, so earlier they said um, that that these can that these loops are areas where there can be um, gained or lost pieces, but in SARS-CoV-2, there's only losses going on. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, hmm. I wonder what that means. So they're trying to say that it could that you could get gains, but that's not what's happening. Well, in, in, in a sense, this would support what Jonathan is saying to some extent that, that that there would be a reversion back to baseline for the swarm in this instance. I I would say that this is more. So yes, this this would also like if Dan Sorokin was here, he would okay. The way he would explain this is this is attenuation, which it is, because if we all agree that these are unnatural loops, then what's happening is that yes, is that the virus is attenuating. It's trying to shed this excess stuff. It was put there unnaturally, and we know it's unnatural because. Every, all the studies are showing us that, that it's, it's longer than anything else. And so here in this paper, they're trying to say, they're trying to highlight that this is a natural process, that this is, that we have a, an answer for this, but, they, but, it's, but it's not true. Um, <laughs> they want it to be true, but it's not true. And so, and but once again, the key thing is here is that they specifically state that the N2, the N3, and the N5 loops are amongst the longest observed thus far. And guess what? The three inserts are on the outermost portions of the N2, N3, and N5 loops. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> the virus is trying to shed these pieces. 
because they're longer than they're, they're unnaturally long. It's dark, man. So, they're still so trying. They're, they're, they're still trying to hide this. They're still trying to say it's natural, but they're literally giving us the answer. Okay. Now notice nowhere in this paper, do they mention that the, the, the N two three five loops that those are where the three prehended L inserts are? Right, the HIV homology. Yeah, but you know what? That's kind of an important point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to mention it in the paper. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, I wonder if there's a pre-submission draft if they've talked about it in that. I, I, I would bet you $100 that they did not discuss it in that draft. But that's just me. I mean, because think, I mean, why would they reference, why would they reference a withdrawn article, Kevin? Right. They don't have to. Right. Fuck the literature. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> Science is screwed. Science is corrupt, okay? That's what this is. This yeah. is sick. It's a very, very um, clicky club, and that's what you're seeing in that TWIV clip, right? That they're they're you know, umming and ahhing and you know, and and deferring to what they've allowed into the quote unquote scientific canon, and um, any any and all of these people who could even professionally should have been able to delineate the, these findings, et cetera, infer what they would mean at a, at a sort of larger systemic level. Yeah. They, they, they've all got to lose their positions. All of them. <laughs> I don't, all of them. I, I don't care what it takes, how much it takes, but they, they've got to be pulled out of these cushy niches that they hold in, in this hierarchy and never hired again that go that goes for the virologists it goes for the neuroscientists that haven't spoken up it goes for the well how many domains you can really cover but you know particularly in medicine i mean that's a broad broad um field i guess but um you know i i think it was maple saying the other day um, it's sickening how there are MDs coming into this right now, trying to sort of get on the right side, who didn't speak up at the beginning. And somehow we're just supposed to let that slide. And yeah, I'm in, I'm in full agreement with them. We don't. You, you cannot let this slide because if you, if you do, you're going to be in exactly the same position a year from now, 10 years from now, and... If that's the case, what's the point of, of doing this? Might as well just. Uh... Well, I, I tend to think that there's a. You have to. You have to be kind of circumspect about the situation because you don't want to go. You have to use common sense. Like, for instance, JC has decided that instead of talk about this, so this kind of stuff. Because once again, I don't know. This is something I haven't even talked about yet. Like I think I posted something on Twitter or one point or something. I don't know if any scientists actually figured this out. 
Oh, that'd be the first person. Once again, there's, there's a couple dozen things like that that I'm the first person to talk about. And no, it betrothes them to, to keep quiet, right? When you get into the state of when, when your paycheck is dependent upon you not understanding a phenomenon, then well, you, you ain't going to understand it and speak about it. And I would. Right. But why isn't Jay talking about it? Well, I don't know. Because that's, that's, that's the real crime. I don't know that's a crime, but it's a, it's a, it's a sad thing for me that, that these types of things are the reason I came to him to, ex to explain, like whenever I would find stuff that I would have a place that I could go where I could, I could lay this out to the world because I didn't have my own show and, and whatever. And these are actual findings. And this is one of the things that I found during the last three months when I haven't been employed, <laughs> but, but during the six months when I was, I, I was still digging. And at some point halfway through that, that six months, he decided that he found a different answer and started going with it. But the problem is, is that in addition to diffuse, which he was attacking, there were things that there were proof that didn't necessarily tie to diffuse, which wasn't my main focus anyway. This was all my main focus. And none of this or very little of this has gotten out, gotten out to the general public. I mean, Everything that I talked about on his show, that if we kept watching that video, you'd be like, we'd be able to see him go, like, oh, wow, that's crazy. And maybe talking about how great these findings were and about how hard I worked uh, and how I'm not a scientist, but you know, I keep doing things scientists don't do. You know, that was just a couple of months before I decided to say, fuck it, and just burn all that and walk away from it. But the problem is, is that he has distracted a lot of people. A lot of people. And, this, um, again, what you're seeing is you're seeing the amplification of no virus. No virus, no well, virus. It, and... But it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter which stupid idea is being amplified. The bottom line is, is that the DOE report came out. And the DOE report literally is further proof that the watchmaker hypothesis is the path. Okay, like, and he even says it in that video. He said, like, because I say, you know, th this is the path. I don't know where it leads, but this is the path. And he's like, yeah, this is the path. Okay, well, we need to be walking down the path. We need to stop stopping by the side and smelling the flowers. And we need to keep walking down the path because this DOA report came out in, on March. Let's just say it was. March 6th or whatever. Well, that was nine months or something since July 4th. And nobody, no one has realized that, that all these pretty graphics that I made six months ago or nine months ago, nobody's realized that that's exactly what it's proving. Okay. Well, I, I think there's an element of, um, there's, there's a degree of, I don't know what you call it, like ostrich-like behavior of trying to put your head in the ground and hoping that a, hoping the demons go away, um, by 
ignoring the weaponization aspect, right? They'd rather focus on one particular element of it, but whatever, whatever that is, whether it be, like I say, I know that I know the well, the, the legislation, right? The putting people on vents, etc., being a go-to, go-to. Uh, reason for why we're seeing what we're seeing and and seeing what we're seeing even now three years down the road and it sorry it doesn't it doesn't explain excess non-covid deaths right now and, and unless unless you're angling at that and taking aim at that you, you're missing and it, it's it's it, it's incredibly frustrating to sort of see these um, hobby horses, I guess, being um, galloped around everywhere. I don't know. I mean, the the answer is right in front of us. Like I've literally found the answer already. Okay, we don't have to do the we don't have to keep looking for some other something now, now i'm not saying this is the entire answer to the entire pandemic okay what i'm saying is that this proves this is the proof that our government that the that the hiv complex that fauci has created knew exactly what this was because by the way bet corber works and has worked on dozens of papers with barney graham John Maskula, the rest of the VRC. And what is the VRC? The VRC is the people who made the Moderna vaccine with Moderna. And it was created by Fauci to look for HIV vaccines. And they ultimately made the Moderna sequence. Um, so, hmm, let's think about this. When I watched the TWIV yesterday, sit here and say, well, we don't know, well, we don't really know what this means, but yeah, they do. They know what this fucking means. Los Angeles National Laboratory, Beck Korber, has won medals and done all sorts of stuff because she does one thing really well. She looks at vaccine epitopes for HIV vaccines. She has worked with the NIID, with Barney Graham, on these vaccines. So when Barney Graham goes to make prototypes, a lot of times he'll f submit the sequences to her so that way she can run them through a supercomputer so that way she can get an idea of whether or not they're going to be efficacious. Therefore, what we have is the person who literally made the decision to keep the FCS, which is Barney Graham, and constantly working with this lady. You know who else would worked with this lady? In December 2019, there was a fusion protein-based vaccine, fusion protein-based, that sent their, that sent their data to Bette Korber, and Michael Warobi was one of the others. <laughs> so don't tell me that they don't all know this shit. Mm. Because the next the next month, 
couple weeks later is when they made all of these fateful decisions. So the DOE, the DOE report apparently is, is based off of this lab. Actually, that's not apparent. That, like, that's not, like, this lab is why the DOE is changing its assessment to why the vaccine, I'm so, sorry, why the virus was a lab, Origin. was from a lab. What's interesting, though, is that they don't say anything else. They don't say anything else. They don't say that they know it's unnatural because of this. But that's, of course, exactly what they knew. They, that's how they know it's from a lab. They don't know it's from a lab because they have intelligence. That's not what they do. <laughs> what, sort of, what sort of intelligence, what sort of information do you think was gained at this lab that makes HIV vaccines that makes them think that this virus came from that lab? Uh, because there's pieces of HIV in it. That's why. And that's why they don't want to say it. Because they know. Because they, they can't say that this is how Fauci knew that it was unnatural. Because then, what would that mean? That would mean you'd have to ask the obvious question. Uh, why did he keep these in the vaccine? Because not only did he know they were natural, he obviously would have had to know basically what they were for. Yeah, so, so I, I, I can see why you think that we're not going to get the DOE intelligence released it will implicate it'll draw attention to the thing that i'm trying to draw attention to which is that fauci knew what it was even if he didn't make it and he made the opposite decisions that you would make it when faced with the decision that you should have made it so it would draw attention to the fact that that my watchmaker hypothesis is true so I can't imagine that they could release anything from that that would, I mean, it's not going to exonerate the United States because even if, even if the Chinese were working on this and they made it and they, they put these inserts in here, Fauci knew, Fauci knew what they meant and poisoned us all with vaccines anyway. Yeah. Because they wouldn't even put, they wouldn't even put these epitopes in HIV vaccines. A real they they were bad. demographic. Uh, um, mm. That's why. That's why I said, like this one slide. This one slide is pretty damning. But um, I'm, uh, I'm interested in what Nick knows about. Salamos. Nick's still listening. Do you mind if I try pulling him in? He might be able to sort of fill in some historical dots here. Is that okay with you? You hear me? You froze. You froze, dude. Froze right at that point. <laughs> Can you hear me? Check, check, check. Um, yeah, we legit we just lost Charles. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll try anyway, whilst uh, Charles is offline. Boom, lost him. God damn it. 
Tapio, yeah, got that tapio boys. <laughs> Always mess me. Can we? Can you hear us? Yeah. Yeah. I was just gonna. I was gonna say. Do you mind if I try just seeing if Nick is available? Because I'm just. I, I would like to pick his brain about the just historical context around this lab and HIV, etc. Um, I think it could be potentially. Sure, now, granted that, like my. My connection went dark for like thirty seconds. So, yeah, we got um, we got the the uh, we got the conclusion that you were going for, which was yeah. um, these they knew about the pro problem that these epitopes potentially could cause, and they just went and fucking gene transfected the whole uh, whole planet <laughs> with them. Yeah. Uh, See, and now if. If JC was, you know, I would think that he would want to point this out. Now, granted, it would mean that I was right. It would mean that I called it nine months ago. But mm. I mean, what's the most important thing here? We need, we need to stop this. And everything is pointing right at this. Yeah, very, he, very much so. He, even if it's not the whole answer. The, we can get Fauci with this. It's an, the, it should be the enough. Medical freedom movement. This is the answer. It should be enough to drag into the public domain to to grab people's attentions. And, and like I say, I think there's a very. This is the reason why you're being ghosted, right? By you, you give this information to anyone with uh, influence, and ah. Uh, they they don't want to um they don't want to carry it across the line because the nope. uh, um hang on Nick's there I want I want to pull him in because I I I just want to see if he knows no go ahead um about this Los Alamos and uh, Corba yeah, uh, and, and I hope I hope people can start to understand the implications of this and how big this is. Because this news came out a week ago, we could have we could have put this puzzle piece together, and we didn't. It's a shame. All right, I'm just waiting for Nick to hop on, as he does. But in the in the meantime, yeah, this um, Nick's there, folks. Um, I'm chatting to him on Discord. Uh, just got to click the link. Uh, <laughs> uh thank you for the meme. Um the yeah, that's like I say, you've got to be very careful about running down particular rabbit holes right now when you've got to be thinking about as big a picture and dragnet as possible and that um that you know, you have, of course, it's important to speak about remdesivir and the the protocols and everything. But in a from a weapons perspective, all all of that was geared towards funneling people into uh, the, this. I don't know, more difficult to define kill box, right? Because you. We see the signature of it, which is people who shouldn't be dying 
in terms of age demographics they're dying and it's not covid related that's that's what the data is telling us at the moment and you, you if you focus on the beginning part of the concerto having <laughs> i don't know the, the song the play um you're missing these this part where we are right now and where they're where they're going to try and drag everyone to go which is to look or heap the blame on china and oh um just admit him um and so yeah. nick you there bro no it's still connecting so yeah the the goose chase around infective clones is not helpful right now so um your mic's off nick so oh um, is that working can you hear me now we can hear you bro how are you um well thank you uh okay so that was a pretty epic truth drop truth bomb drop by charles first of all do you have any comments on it i've, I've got specific questions i want to ask you but you guys have been talking for a couple hours, so what you know, bring me bring me in a little closer. Uh, so my my question to you would have been, um, where in the anthropology does Los Alamos come up? If it does come up, why does it come up? And I'll answer that question, and then I've got another one um, as a follow. -up. Sure. Sure. I, I heard an example of the general public's uh, understanding of Los Alamos earlier today when someone, uh, I, I don't remember who she was, just some vapid mainstream reporter uh, going, oh my gosh, that's what they do there. I, it was some clip that I saw on Twitter. Um, generally, people have a very... Uh, two-dimensional understanding of what what goes on there they think that it's basically some old dusty uh, uh legacy base left over from the you know the manhattan project in world war ii and what it did was become the cover for a whole lot of biological activity um i think they were talking about sequencing they were saying oh yes the department of energy has a lot of sequencing information yeah, this and is they the were twiv. saying why that, would they have sequencing okay 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 there's so I'm yeah I'm I'm constantly listening to conversations and bits and pieces so but but I mean that yeah that was that was the the uh, we we forget I mean I think I think in the American public unless you grew up in a military industrial family uh, an MIC family where it was career you guys were moving you, you know you you were at Maryland or you were moving around the world to different bases during your upbringing most people have this um increasingly myopic view of the 1950s they they like to look at it through back to the future doc brown and you know and marty mcfly and apple pie and you know really they they really see it in that light other people have gone a little further and they look at the post-war the cold war stuff but really it, it was an intensely intensely active period for pharmacology for all of the big players that were positioned during the war that then with you know they were still geared up they wanted, you know, they wanted that revenue stream to continue. They certainly wanted more projects and contracts, and they wanted to remain a priority. And so they, they, you know, started shifting. I believe, like Merck, 
shifting into sort of this hybrid space of hmm, let's let's continue to kind of be the main institutional bio warfare partner for the U.S., but let's also take a look at new types of vaccines and let's also um, start branching out and doing our own stuff with cancer, you know, cancer vaccines. God knows how many people they caused to have cancer or gay, you know, pr primed them with an ADE, um, you know, for a cancer response earlier in life than they might have had normally. But, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of what was happening in that space. And, and, um, what else do you? What else were you were you interested in? Well, so Beck Corber's lab, obviously, well, I don't know. I think is playing a big part, as Charles was saying, mm -hmm. um, in the release in the last week, more than a week now. But mm -hmm. um, have, are you familiar with that lab and um, their input into the HIV? vaccine space uh, i recognize the name as a prominent researcher throughout you know from the 80s forward it, definitely um but i didn't i didn't go down uh the rabbit hole on any individual uh post i'll say post release researchers um even even like fauci i i didn't get wrapped up in the 80s about fauci i just saw the whole institution and what they were doing putting out these toxic therapies and people were dying faster and then I saw what happened with Duisburg, but with uh, Beck Kober and and the different investigators that started going forward with patenting mycoplasmas. I, that was a link I put up. Was a, it's a weaponized mycoplasma that they isolated from an AIDS patient and a number of other pathogens. Um, this was part of our conversations a little while back when I was getting clarity about I you know I didn't think that it was legal to patent thing. You couldn't patent nature. And you guys pointed out that there was sort of a, a turning point where uh, the rules got stricter in that respect. But no, um, I, I saw people going. So in in the coronavirus work, because there's over 6000 papers in that volume, and I'm still you know, I still will pull those out and, and try to find another full text here and there. Um, but I saw a lot of the hybridization stuff taking uh, different pieces like you guys were talking about earlier taking different components of hiv try to combine it into a coronavirus vector as an hiv vaccine and there were many different tracks they had different you know different candidates essentially different platforms that they were trying to hybridize um during this time yep very much so so the you know the Are you familiar with what Charles was saying about the problematic epitopes that that they knew were that you shouldn't include them because of the ADE risk, the class switching risk, etc. Um, I mean, it's more it's more like it's more modern, especially in the last decade. Like as the computing power gets better, they know that. Whereas back in the and unfortunately, he and I. I'm slowly working backwards in time, and it, but I haven't quite reached where he is. But in the what he mostly researches in the history is too far back in time to have that much precision about what the the epitopes were doing. Like, like at a point in the '70s and in the '80s, they were still trying to figure out which epitopes did what they wanted them to do, and so it's hard. Well. 
you know. I, I would encourage you, Charles, to look back at the at the WHO papers. There's they're about autoimmunity. I know there are okay. two critical pieces that probably factor in here. One of them is um, uh, the two papers from the World Health Organization. And we could have a talk about that sometime and just look at those papers. It looks like a recipe book for all the autoimmune disease that we began experiencing in the 1980s forward. And the papers are called uh, Virus-Associated Immunopathology and Implications for Human Disease, parts one and two. And they go through the biomechanics of autoimmune disorder as influenced by a number of different infectious pathogens, um, uh, epidemiology, uh, geographic spread, you know, the whole the whole gamut. It looks like another whole second, you know, another playbook about Excuse how me, to Dan, I just got to go restore health. some order on deck. Just bear with me. Go it. knock some heads. Go knock those heads together. So okay. anyway, that, yeah, I, I, I think that, that would be... A, Okay, that would be a good place for us to look at uh, uh, sort of bringing the World Health Organization into the mix and saying, okay, who who was clearly aware of from an epidemiologic or infectious perspective what these AI risks were and right. how does that intersect with the second layer? And that's the other piece that I was going to say we probably need to look at from this era, and that's human cell culture as as a basis for biological products. Right. And there's a there's a paper from again from the WHO talking about a transition. This is from dated I think 1969, talking about the transition from primate cell culture to human cell culture based biologics. And they were you know doing an doing a hmm, you know either or let's let's take a look at the pros and cons between both of these platforms. Right. And and right there to me looks like the royal road for a whole variety of cancers which seem to come out of the primate cell culture substrates and then all of the ai stuff that came when we switched to these human diploid cell lines uh, and that's yeah, you know very much so. there's there, there's some good specificity there and, and no it isn't like a contemporary paper so it's not like something that we're going to pull off of ncbi today but well no and i think that um so what I've seen is that, is that for me, there was really, there's really two tracks. Um, and I think that you're right. I, I listened to your, I don't remember if it was with uh, Dr. McCarran or with, uh, who was Satanic, but I think it was with Dr. McCarran, where you, but either way, you, you were going a little bit more in depth with, um, Actually, maybe it wasn't either. But you're going more in depth about like the 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 groups and stuff in the background in the '60s and '70s and '80s. And I was actually I was talking to somebody else today who has dug more deeply into um, just Henry Kissinger related avenues. And yeah, I, I definitely think that. Um, there's it, it seems like right at the moment that they wanted to nuke the biological warfare convention stuff like they were implementing all that under nixon but there was this effort to save certain things and to divert them and when they diverted all those things 
they obviously kept doing biological weapons research, but then they also started down or, or kept going down the, um, you know, this desire to, to change the genome. And I, oh, and another thing I did was I read, I finally read Horowitz's most important book. Mm-hmm. Um, Emerging I viruses, found, AIDS and Ebola. I finally, oh, and I found other ones that were too, but I finally found it in an internet uh, archive. And God, there's just like, it's all right there. Just, just like the, like what he was observing, all we're seeing is just the continuation of that. Now it really is. Yeah, just about, And he is a Harvard yeah. MPH. I mean, this was not, you know, some, some errant dentist like Dr. Lee on Twitter, bless, bless Dr. <laughs> Lee's heart. You know, Dr. Lee's got a mouth on him. Jeez. What, what, yes, he does. Uh, Horowitz, Horowitz went into this and went back to the sources, and he's the one that actually produced for the group, for what we call the HIV Lab Origin Group, um, most of those big two to 300-page annual reports from the SVCP. He's the one that copied them, really? got them out into circulation. I didn't um, know that. Uh, well, so Cantwell got one or two of them from Robert Strecker. Dr. Strecker was the first. He was the one that would, and before there was such a thing as Zoom, he would get doctors around the LA area to come over to someone's house for dinner and they would all have a nice dinner, you know, doctors and fa fa fa. And then afterwards, he'd sit them on the couch and hand everybody a big stack of Xerox material and freak them out for about three hours talking about this stuff. So that that was how it originally started, but that's where some of that content came from. But remember, Stre- I don't know if you know this, Robert Strecker uh, had four specialties. He was a pathologist, a GI, a doctor of internal medicine, and uh, 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 damn it, uh, could have been hematologist. I forget what the fourth was, but he was a serious, serious scientist. But he they they didn't have the genetic announcement that came in 1988 right. yet. He was still of the mind during most of his heyday before his brother got killed. And all of that happened in 88. Um, he thought it was from Visna. He thought it was really that the main template was a sheep virus. Yes, uh, I wanted because to there were Visna so, sequences in there. Sorry to Go ahead. interrupt. No, I, it was a question I wanted to bring up uh, with the two of you here together, which is the, um, the overlap with Visna virus. Um, I, you were probably heading there anyway, but... Perhaps you better just for people listening, explain what the overlaps are and why why they right. why uh, Horowitz thought that there was Visna as part of the uh, disease profile. Oh, that was Strecker. That was Strecker. But it's it is part of the disease profile. There's about fourteen percent Visna sequences in HIV one, and uh. Strecker found. Um, uh, Visna listed in SVCP papers. He he saw them using it as one of. I mean, they had tables full of of uh, crosses. They would have a table, you know, each column, and then each row would represent multiple cultures that were going to be transfected, and then grown out and checked for progeny. So he saw Visna in the materials that's, I, you know, he saw, he saw it in the early HIV uh, DNA sequencing. And I think that's why he was, he was stuck on it, but they used Visna for, gosh, I don't know. I just did a Visna poll the other day and added it to the Zotero 
and they were studying visna as a wasting disease it came it came out of sheep uh primarily the major early studies occurred from sheep in iceland in the southeast region and they were getting this um this communicable wasting disease and then it became one of many of the darlings of the Defense Department as they started looking at things at, uh, you know, Dugway and Plum Island, things like that. Um, I, I don't know any major sort of chapters of Visna besides that it seemed to be on the back burner constantly. I see it mentioned in the papers throughout the whole era. Charles, do you do you know anything else specific about it? No, I put him. No, actually, I don't. And one, so it it kind of it reminds me of mycoplasma, in the sense that it was something that they were discovering. It was always in the back burner, but they never admitted to anything. Um, it didn't seem to play a real big role. And I think the fact that you know Xu Jing Lo didn't patent a, a pathogenic mycoplasma until like ninety one. But they had known about it for decades, and they'd been working with it for decades. I mean, at least since '76 that, that we have a record of. But obviously, you know, it was taking place before then. And I, I see that as Visna as being as similar to that. Is it was one of the ingredients that they were putting into the cauldron. Mm -hmm. I had to put it in a simple, simple way. That, that that's the best thing way I can use to describe it. I wonder. I wonder if there's. I have to look in the literature, but um, any overlap with scrapey, sheep scrapey, or okay, Kevin. sheep scrapey, or because um, well, how related is scrapey to, you know, the like prion diseases? Well, I mean, it's it's the sort of one of their definitive. It's, right. Um, it's the. It's, it's trying where, to think of a good word for it. It's them. It's their model system, I would guess. Of, gotcha. Um, how you would look at it, but I, myself personally, I don't. I've I've never seen the association made right. Scrapey, scrapey is. I want to. I want to say they were thinking it came from lichen that sheep were eating, but uh, I don't know. I'll have, I'll have a quick look, but maybe maybe it's something. Well, I see Nick. Is that you brought that picture up? Uh, screen up, Nick. DNA polymerase aggravates virions of Visna virus, causative agent of slow neurological disease. Hmm. I've got the full. I've got the full text. Let me share that one out real quick. Mm. Um, yeah, this you know, is just a, very interesting. Yeah, just a second. Let me share out the PDF instead. Uh, there we go. Okay, so. Um, interesting to note, uh, this is something that I see again and again and again throughout this entire network is using the National Academy of Sciences as sort of a backbone to, uh, I don't, Kevin, I don't know, is that is that really more of an American institution or is that international? National Academy of Sciences, that's American. That's um, American. Yeah, that's, that's American. Okay. So no, I, I'm just uh, looking uh, through PubMed and uh, literally what I see is lack of association between Visna and Scrapey. Scrapey. Mm. Yeah. So it's an RNA instructed DNA polymerase. Go on. 
which may well well which may well i i'm i i'm not mary i'm not a virologist I, I can't tell you how that it might have been crossed with hiv uh there was nothing in the uh in what i'm calling recombinant dna technology it was as as charles said extremely basic language even this paper is more complex more detailed technically than most of the materials in the annual reports so they didn't say we stripped we stripped off the protein coat we took the spikes off of this and put them onto that they talked about these sort of roll the dice attempts at um damaging or attenuating a target pathogen and then transfecting it and hoping for the best in looking for the the progeny Mm. So Visna, like those of oncogenic, like those of oncogenic RNA, but yeah, they knew that there were cancer-causing RNAs, and they still, at the end of the SVCP, they said, "Oh, we didn't solve cancer, and we, you know, we didn't really learn too much." Sorry, yeah. um, but and it was just a huge, you know, it was a kabuki theater to cover up this activity, in my opinion. Well, it it makes you, uh, it should make people very skeptical of this quote-unquote cancer moonshot that they're talking about now oh gosh um, i can't yeah uh, no i wouldn't take a shot of anything that they were cooking up in this era well ironically ironically for the moonshot um they had really poor timing because <laughs> what they say and i made a meme about it because it's so awesome but, but they say that what they're going to do their goal is to cut um the rate of cancer, I'm sorry, I don't remember if it's a rate or number or whatever, but basically they want to cut it in half by like, you know, 2040. But they made their job doubly hard because if they were trying to cut the rate of cancer deaths in half, they probably shouldn't have transfected a cancer or an immunosuppressive uh, agent into a, a billion people. Because the 330 million people in the United States, um, 300 million of them ish, have received one of these vaccines. So, imagine the way to to cure cancer is not to cause cancer in millions more people. Well, I, I don't know if you've suddenly got a tsunami of cancer emerging. Then I don't know if you could. Um, it's a confounder, I would say. Oh, it's it's equitable, I'd say. Oh, well, actually, that is true because I, I pointed this out the other day too on on Twitter that uh, you know if I was a minority, um, this probably isn't going to make me trust the government anymore because Fauci went out of his way to ensure that minorities were at the front of the line mm. when Fauci is the well, one person who would have known the damage that these would cause. Yeah, when I heard the lists uh, early on, when they were saying, we really we really encourage these groups to get you know vaccinated first. I, I, I was like, okay, that's eugenics. This is, they're just, they're, they're shearing, the, the, they're cleaving meat off the bone, you know, they're not cutting all the way down. Well, well, so that's one of the, that's that's basically what collapses the field vector, Charles. When I try to have a serious conversation with someone who's yep. dedicated their life 
to HIV research and services and support. They are absolutely the kind of person who should listen to this and understand this. And they, yep. it just pops the bubble and they're like, oh no, oh no, uh-uh, I can't even, no, no, I can't even let that in. It's the wrong, wrong shape and size. And yep. I, I, you know, I, I'm like, look, um, it's so horrible to to think that you're living in a world where there are people who have spent their time and effort planning your doom, your death, and some of them, you know, quite horribly in the way that they're going to profit off of it. How can we do this in such a way that we get everything from their life savings before they die? You know, that's been happening in the cancer industry for decades. They know, they know, you know, that clinging to the Rockefeller cancer model has been, has been horrible. It's been worthless. But I've tried to convince AIDS activists and anybody that I feel, you know, personally, I feel should care more about it. Um, and I say, look, this, this is a real intention. They were killing people in Tuskegee during this era. The only reason yep. the NIH stopped in 1972 is because they got called to the carpet. They got they got their shit called out. So they had to come clean. And the only reason that they made Hillary stand up in the late 90s and apologize for the same kind of study in Guatemala is because they got caught. Who knows what else is going on in the U.S. and around the world? But the fact of the matter is these agencies are not about public health. And these are the things that are fundamental that we've got to be able to come forward and say, look, this doesn't hinge on one argument or even this one massive global event. There is a huge precedent for um, taking this institution apart, stripping it back to the studs, sending all of our defense friends back to the Pentagon. Thank you very much. And, and really restructuring what is public health oversight. You know, you then, know, the FDA, the CDC, you know, it's all it's all connected in there. But, but that's huge change down. management. I'm sorry. Every 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 day that I yeah. every time I'm on a stream with Kevin, I'm becoming more like Kevin. <laughs> yes, and I, I, I'm not I'm not sure what other um, I, I mean, it's metaphorical, of course, but you have to dismantle all these organizations from and I don't, I don't care if they, you know, cloak themselves in the. Um, oh, we're a university. We're just teaching kids to get their degrees, etc. No, it's um, the knock-on effects from what's happened are so diabolical. We have to start again, and we we've got to. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure how you repopulate the the institution such that they're not going to be I don't know subject to the same perverse incentives all the time but um God, if we don't, if we don't do it now well the future just looks pretty pretty bleak I mean, to me it makes me wonder if maybe we wouldn't be better off if if Skynet just set everything off and because I mean the T1000s they managed to clear it out pretty good the problem the, the problem is is taking over again <laughs> the problem is that timeline comes back again and again and doesn't want to be changed um, okay, okay. Well, so yeah 
Okay, so let's let's do a quick let's do a quick little you know when you're doing when you go to a wine tasting because you know you guys really sound like the wine tasting kind of guys. I love um, wine actually. <laughs> I actually, I actually oh. just say I was thinking, oh, just taking okay. Sunday. I want I want to drink wine with you because I have I have a feeling. Bite my tongue. No, in between courses, you clean the palate. So let's clean the palate. Let's shift away from uh, the microscope and biology and wild warfare and doom and gloom and let's go over to another branch of the of the uh, defense department that's having its own little coming out party let's see what let's see what charles thinks about this kevin so since since the dod came out last may in those senate permanent intelligence committee sessions about the 70-year program to obfuscate knocking down the craft at roswell the cover-up the sequestered technologies the reverse engineering all of it the industries that have you know sprung up behind it um have you any friends in that space and what's been your take on all of that uh am i blowing your mind no hold on well i'm just i'm trying to think i don't recall them um, coming out and saying anything about reverse engineering, I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what like release of information that you're referring to. Did you see the uh, committee sessions from May last year? Apparently not. Oh, okay. No, they had well, a long. I think it was about a two-hour session, and I'll, I'll I'll send it out. You know, it's been it's been circulating out there, and uh, they had several. Um, I don't know. Uh, they had several folks from the DOD come up and talk about, yes, we have this. Yes, we have that. Yes. You know, they basically conceded. They did a they did a soft coming out party trying to control the narrative. And of course, it was all couched in the language of the big bad threat from outer space. And it's for the greater good. And, all, you know, you know, all of those lines. Um, but yeah, um, they, yeah, they I, I, I miss I don't know which hearing you're referring to. Because I I don't know, I, what I've heard is that they've talked about how there's a like there's been evidence that's emerged of certain projects that that people have tried to get access to that they can't that should have access to it like the commanding general of whatever who's trying to do that but I haven't heard anything about any concessions that they've made that they that they've come out and. Well, no, well, I, it's it's too much to to unpack, I guess. For you know, as a quick pivot no, right now, if no, you I'm haven't really, seen that, really, oh yeah, I'll send you, the, I'll send you to, the link. Yeah, send it to me because because if we're talking about advanced technologies that uh, they're trying to hint at that they have been working around trying to reverse engineer. Are you talking about like um? What's I'm, talk, I'm talking about operational electromagnetic gravitics <laughs> that we've had since 1954. I'm talking about uh, the systems that were engineered under direction of the Majestic 12. Uh, the Air Force yeah. had control of it for a long time. There was a turf war in the 1950s as part of all of this post-war kerfuffle. Uh, and the CIA got involved. That's when Area 1 and Groom Lake and all of that became um, sort of prominent and began entering the public's sphere of awareness. Um, but there's no, there's, there's a, there's gobs and gobs and gobs of material. There's a fantastic scientist, uh, T Thompson Brown, who was involved apparently in the Philadelphia experiment, uh, and was, uh, the creator or the accidental discoverer of methods of phasing, phasing things out of our 3d space. And then through uh, specific electromagnetic, electromagnetic fields, 
really, really fascinating stuff. And he was a fan of Tesla, of course. So, but I'll, I'll send that over and, and then, you know, sometime soon we can, you know, we can touch base on it again. I'm sorry, Kevin, yeah, you tried to break in there. I definitely, I definitely think we should, uh, well, I, I, we I, I, get together I, offline. That's what we need to do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you got, you guys need to, uh, um, well, I don't know, man, I, like the, the U S I would, from your perspectives right now would seem like enemy territory. Um, probably. God. Um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to bring in, so I was man in the chat is I, I'm trying to find the link, but he's, he's, he's pulled up a paper. Hang on. It is amyloid deposition in the lung, spleen and other tissues of sheep with natural and experimental visna. This is from 1996. And so <laughs> there is a, a, a my radar pings as soon as I see associations like this and what we're seeing in the epidemiology right now, which is this, these large increases in dementia like disorders. And God, um, I need, I, well, the short version is I need to, I need to look at this no more and uh, und understand its role because actually in neuroscience sheep has been a model system uh or was for a very very long time um i guess because they're cheap no one cares about sheep right <laughs> uh they're delicious right <laughs> <laughs> you can do what you want but um find i'm trying to get a link to it that works bring it up but Charles, I sent over the uh, the Senate hearings. The virus and its relation to human deficiency virus. Now, I want that title. Yeah, I saw it. Amyloid deposition in the lung, spleen, and other tissues of sheep with natural and experimental risk. Veterinary pathology. I need that paper. Um, oh, yeah. But... I need to spend like a year in a veterinary library, and I'll get every other little bit and piece that I've been missing. You know, I, I need, I need that time. So in your opinion, how much crossover, I know I've asked you this before, but it was a long time ago. How much crossover is there with Visna and HIV functionally? Uh, it's, it's been, it's been quantified that in HIV one subtype N as in Nancy, uh, the, the, they did uh, several sequences. This was a paper from the, I think the like 86 or 87 uh, and found uh, upwards of 14% VISNA sequences in HIV-1. Now that's where I would read, I would need Mary to help me really contextualize. What does that mean? Was that a, was that a deliberate cross? Was it an accident? My thought was, is it an accidental cross? Were they, they, because they used all these different transfected cell culture systems and they would take cancer candidate virus A and put it through six different variations. And I'm thinking they had to feed those cultures. Some of those might've been uh, sheep cell cultures. And if they had sheep cell material that they were feeding it with, could Visna have simply been um, a non-target pathogen? But that, for me, that's a, just, just a total speculation. Well, I mean, I, I would, 
maybe look at it through this lens, which is that if if the focus of special virus cancer program was on lentivirus, if that's the focus, then they're gonna they're gonna scratch around all these types of illnesses. And I, I'll, I'll make the presumption that Visna was known about for many many years prior to that, um, mm -hmm. and so they they very likely would have tried to build out a you know a system of cell culture and test animals around which they could reliably extract samples of the disease that they're interested in how they would how they would go about back then making the recombinations i'm not so sure maybe maybe you have some insight into that but oh yeah they would chemically burn them or they would irradiate them that's part of how a project would have doe coverage it would get the q level coverage because if they were using ionizing radiation like we talked about with dr mary's monkey and the accelerator and all of that mm -hmm. uh which by the way just quick side note i saw another report from someone who analyzed Ed Hoslam's work and the police report and all of that. And this report claims that the, she had a stab wound and that she was put into the accelerator in an attempt to make it look like she had an accident and stumbled or whatever and fell into the, mm. into the beam. But you and I talked about, you know, just the high improbability of that kind of a device being able to do to her body what we saw in the pictures. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, so. Most of the... Well, I don't know. There's the output of where the beam is being focused, I guess. In in my mind, that would be a relatively small aperture. Yeah. And, and she was lines. like a lamb on a spit. They would have like had to wave her around in front of that thing, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not... It's not a broad beam. You don't spray the whole side of a building with it. It's a focused no. beam. So okay. anyhow. So, so so this is an interesting development. So ayahuasca man who found this study, amyloid deposition in the lung, spleen, and other tissues of sheep, natural and experimental visna. This is veterinary pathology, 33-263-270. It was found by chat GPT. But if you, go, if you look for those links... They're not, it's been, I have to make a presumption it did exist if ChatGPT is finding it, but it's been pulled from the internet. Which, again... The, pa the paper that he's got a link for there? Yep, yep. Uh, no, 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 I'm seeing it right here. Amyloid deposition in the lung, spleen, and... Oh, no, 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 Madej Visna virus and its relationship to human and immune... Sorry, I was looking at the next paper down. My bad, mm -hmm. sorry. Yeah, so it's... Um, so it seems to have what looks like a legit reference, but um, it's not available. And I I just get dead, dead well, ends. Well, I found that there's, me and Jakey have been running into this too, where it, it's hard to tell if ChatGPT is coming across something that does exist or if it's trying to piece together information uh, to formulate like its best estimation, like because sometimes it doesn't provide true information, mm. and it, and it it doesn't t it doesn't provide you, you know the the rationale of how it came to to do it. But we were looking for one paper in particular where 
we ended up getting, we kept searching and it kept providing different authors from similarly titled papers that weren't the same one. And so it, 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 that's the hard part about it is that you can't really tell. So, so literally, literally it's wrong, pulled out two, two references. So both of them are so different. Did you try it from of... Google? Did, try, try doing it from Google Scholar. Try typing the title from Google Scholar and see what you find. It's typically a good, safer way. Because, I mean, Google Scholar it still has the hepatitis B patent up on it, you know, from 1975. They seem to have a little more objectivity. Uh, when it comes down to the journal article itself, if they don't want you to know what it was, the only thing you find is the title and the authors. That's it. There's not even yep. an abstract. They're like, sorry, access denied. Um, yep. And that is right there. That's the bright, shiny object, you know, in my in my opinion. It's like, oh, that's exactly what I need to get a full text of is that mm. right there. Yeah, it's it's not finding it. So mm. okay. I, I don't know. Two two references in a row, same group. Is it same group? No, it's not. This relates this this particular no, uh, badiola, pathogen. Badiola, yeah, it's the oh. same group. It's the same corresponding author. Um, and sequential years, 1996 to 1997. So, um, I don't know. I'd, I, again, I would have to sit back and look through uh, the scrapey literature and... You know, if that's if that's something that they've, you know, again, are we going down the pathway where they've tried to weaponize amyloidosis? I think it's safe to assume that they have been trying to do that. Um, but they've to literally retroactively go <laughs> into the into the literature to to take out select studies that would point to that. Kevin. I, I've I got no a section yeah. in I've got a section in my presentation about Sol Spiegelman, who worked on Visna and worked on primate RNA viruses with Gallo and worked on breast cancer viruses, which makes me very concerned about Mason Pfizer monkey virus, which is found in a great number, a large percentage of uh, of breast cancer diagnoses. Uh, but they they took Spiegelman's whole container his his the you know what it's called the collection at the national library of medicine and they took about i don't know 20 percent of them and put a 50-year lock on them they're there they're in box 23 and 20 22 and 23 in his collection but you just can't have access to them until 2055 so that's another way to do it the science is there mm -hmm. and the people that were in these programs after particularly after Horowitz published in 97, they went back and we saw a big program in about 2004, 2005 of them going around to private collections like at Harvard and Oxford or wherever, these schools that had large bodies of incriminating, you know, granular detail about the laboratory science and they started cleaning it up. Man. We're so screwed. I, I want to say a whole bunch more swear words, but I, I've got my boy next to me. <laughs> he he beat me in the battle of wills. I've let him in to the computer, but oh, okay. Um, the uh, I, well, I, you know, I'm kind of 
yeah well you get you come to the conclusion that there's the system isn't worth saving if it would go go to these lengths cover this stuff up and to, to get to the premise of this stream which is why now are they admitting or going down the direction that they're going to go and would say you have to make the assumption that what they have in mind isn't isn't good for us in, in any form. <laughs> narrative control narrative control yes it's yeah well i mean the what? fact that they uh that that's kind of my whole point is that a i'm actually surprised to be honest that they mentioned this doe thing i think that because it's impossible to get any detail about it without it incriminating them. So personally, I don't think that they would have released any, like even this much, even to try and pin it on China because the Pandora's box that it opens is almost entirely pointed at the US. So my guess is that they either I don't think it's because of me. That's for damn sure. I think that they knew that somebody wants to like maybe leak something or something. And so this is like a damage control thing just to have their name be out there, but still by providing new information, have it point to China because that's all they said was literally, we believe it came from the lab or actually maybe just a lab. They're they're using what what they're using it for is to point at China, but I get the I get the sense that that they didn't want to even release this. It's just very strange for them to to do it because I mean, and that's what people need to understand is the deal. My entire premise is based on the fact that evidence from people like DOE is what would have told Fauci that this was unnatural. And the specifics about what it would have told Fauci is the stuff that will make them make the public realize that they knew that they were being poisoned. So I I'm I'm very disturbed, but I also like we have to get this out. We have to get people to understand that 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 the fact that this exists at all is further proof in the direction that the watchmaker argument is true. So that is like, we can't let the memory hold this. Like we need to, I would almost say that we need to, we need this to come out because if they do have any sort of response, they'll be forced to release it in order to say that it wasn't this. That's the point we need to get to. I, I would love to be able to, to force them because uh, if, if they're innocent, then they can prove it, but they're, they're not, they're not innocent and they're not going to be able to prove it. Yeah. That's, that's the take home here. There's, there's no way they are innocent because you would have seen them drop the information straight away. And exactly. They're, they're not there. They only released the name of the agency and like a single conclusion. Mm. And they, they, they can just 
play that game indefinitely exactly. with respect to foyers around these national laboratories. Yeah, because you won't get shit from them. Mm. So, and that's what. So that's why I want to see what happens in this report. Like, okay, what do we really expect Avril Haynes to give us? Avril Haynes was at Event Two Hundred One before she was DNI. Okay, she is as crooked as they come. She was, she was helped setting up the systems that the DHS, that the CISA was using to create this whole um, censorship regime. Like, she's one of the most corrupt human beings on the planet. Good candidate so, for boarding then. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, she knows all about it. So who really thinks that this woman, who has lied repeatedly, who produced a 502 word um unclassified report on the origin previously is going to do shit he's going to lift a finger before producing some misinformation crap that's all this is Which and the fact that congress voted unanimously i don't know what the fuck is going on but it they didn't congress didn't vote unanimously to incriminate the united states okay that's <laughs> not how this works no no and and so it's and you know it was some ridiculous number of uh, four and zero against right four hundred nineteen so that means there's uh, like fifteen abstentions but or just they weren't present or whatever I mean, this this is uh, this is Saddam Hussein territory <laughs> yes <laughs> this is something this is something they the the only reason they're doing this is to be able to run on it and say that they did something. Yeah. Not because they expect anything to come from it. They don't want anything to come from it. Uh, Do you think that Big Pharma just miraculously all of a sudden said, you know what, yeah, you guys can go ahead and dig into the origin. No. No. Well, this, uh... So, Kevin, I want, I, want to, I want to ask you real quick. Here, I'm sorry, finish your thought, please. No, 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 no. Go, go, go on. I was going to say, so these are some of Sol Spiegelman's restricted materials. I took an excerpt out of his entire collections and made this slide. So here's his application for a grant continuation in the mid-70s at Northwestern. So that's one opportunity where we might go in and find some of those materials. But they, if they did this work at the NLM, I would assume that they did equivalent scrubbing activities at the related branch tip. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, why do it if they're just going to leave evidence out there? ICRF meetings occurred at Cold Spring Harbor Laboratories. And they're called Cancer Cell Biology and Transformation. And they're joint meetings held with the Royal Society as well. They were convened in London and at, at uh, Cold Spring Harbor. So that's an interesting set of meetings. We don't know what it was about. I don't know what this committee was about at all, but this is where it gets interesting. Human materials. So he was working in box 93. There's something about human material work that they want restricted. Mammary carcinoma studies. Uh, human leukemia reverse transcriptases. Primate studies. This would be one with Gallo, which would be problematic. DNA products, tumors of the nervous system might be related to that, that leukemia patient that Gallo made a study out of all during the 70s where he found a primate leukemia virus in a person 
and then took it out, isolated it, and turned it into basically a whole zoo, a big circus of different variants. Um, Hodgkin's lymphoma, lymphosarcoma. Mm. Mm. Sounds sounds uh, AIDS adjacent. Mm. Well, uh, that's that's where Visner manifests mm. as well, right? It produces uh, lympho lymphoid cancers. Mm -hmm. Do you by chance know what RLV is? I don't know what that is off the top of my head. Rouse leukemia virus? I, I would guess something leukemia virus. Yeah, because they're looking at spleen leukemia here. Anyhow, so public yeah i don't i don't know if all public dollars paid for all of this work i'm sure many of many of the grant dollars were private um but this is in the nlm and these are things that are locked away for 50 years so charles if you've got like tom cruise gear you know you got the scaff you know you got the ropes and the pulleys and and you want to go in and get box 92 and 93 with me let's go get them because this would be this would be something fun to hand to um you know we're not going to give it to CNN. I don't know who you'd give it to. We give it to Joe Rogan. Um, so where is this box? Uh, this is in the National Library of Medicine. These two boxes have <laughs> folders that are locked for 50 years. So okay, box so 93. In Bethesda, more likely. Yeah. 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 I think we should, uh, I think we should break in. Yeah. And, and then, well, once we're inside the, the NIH compound, then we should uh, go to NLM. And once inside that building, then I think we should just go like, well, we can either do it the uh, the matrix way. Mm -hmm. Of course, I can't dodge bullets or just act Yeah, like but this is all fantasy because, you know, these, these would be felony crimes. So we're fantasizing. This is just play acting here. So I don't care. I don't care. I mean, yeah, there's worse things than felonies. I, I think that we should... Uh, Fuck it. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody has to get these boxes <laughs> and pull them out. Yeah, I think we should just walk in there and, and take them well, the, and the, see if uh, they can stop us. The, the simple, exactly. The simple way through this is is that someone, some scientists working at Bethesda, have access. Right? They need to, they need to go in. Right? If if they're on, you're out there. I know you are. You need to go and. Um, pull these documents and i mean hey i got the diffuse documents right so. right and so that there's you know I, ju I just wonder how much the doe is a consequence of uh, a major murphy equivalent they know something's coming down the pipeline so they've been forced their hand has been forced in this particular fashion to i mean hey you never know it could be because I know there are people watching. I mean, thankfully, um, since I'm friends with Major Murphy and Brooke Jackson and Andrew Huff. <laughs> so, I, in fact, I mean, shit, I was just on the show. I did a stream with uh, Lee Ming Yan. So I've now met every whistleblower, I think, except for Teresa Long. Oh, I, I've connected with her. I just haven't talked to her yet. But yeah, I know all the whistleblowers. So, so actually, there's a good good point I wanted to bring up um, about Li Men Yang. So, in in I haven't watched that stream, but you were saying that um, weaponization of amyloid amyloid pathways was yes. high up on the list of Chinese 
Correct. They absolutely are. From everything that she was saying, that is a big um, focus for them. So and she, she was very, I don't remember if she said it. And I think she said something about the stream. I don't remember if she said, because we talked a little bit offline, but she absolutely was adamant that that was not a, like an anecdotal thing. Like that is a key focus. They want to be able to weaponize uh, amyloid um, type diseases. Wow. And being able to functionally incorporate that into whatever it was that they're doing. There's uh <clears throat> The issue here is is that they would have taken their cue from our weapons programs. 100%. Yeah, that's the ultimate underlying theme here, is that if they were doing it, they're not the only ones. God, God damn those bastards, man. What a... It's yep. Just, as you say, evil, evil research line that just, you know, it's, it's not... Oh, I don't know. I mean, the, the scientist in me says, well, of course you want to try to understand how how they're, how they're emergent, right? How these disease states emerge. But uh, if, if they're, if it, if it turns out that, but now I would say that the probability is high that, you know, the neurodegenerative canon, one of a better expression, um, the majority of it is tied to exposures in your lifetime of this um, these peptides of concern, and you know one of the um, sort of medical oddities is that people who have received vagotomies, right? So you go in at the level of the neck and you cut the vagus nerve, they never get. Um, Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or these types of disorders. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. And the well, I mean, you cut the vagus nerve and you'll you'll die of many other things eventually. But well, just, true, yeah. right, you just don't have the homeostatic fidelity that you would need for long life. But the the idea that they've know know this and so there's this phenomenon called Brack staging, right? Where they 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 can see people's intervals of life where they are falling on the degenerative spectrum, and you know there's right. there's there's cases for and against Brack staging because some some degenerative diseases don't seem to follow this pattern, but the majority do. As a, as a whole so you think of it like um alzheimer's most cases of alzheimer's you'll find lewy body inclusions somewhere in, in the nervous system but not always and if they've if they've realized that the because because the gut is such a you have slow exposure through the gut, right, if you eat something. And so the chances of it impacting and retrogradely traveling up the vagus nerve 
and they've they've realized this and you know that they they know that that's a target to go for with I, I don't know like for example um prion infected beef that that's what that was the big concern when i was right at, at university and that they've in the in these sort of boxes that um nick is talking about they they realized this 30 30 years ago 40 years ago and have said about i don't know systemizing the weaponization of it and the it would it would be theoretically possible that you could be seeding into foodstuffs these um prions for example and they could be crop tested just prior to a collection of any number of types of uh, fresh produce crops as well right yeah yeah Very true and you know in in that environment well in if we're in that battle space i guess one of a better description i have to i have to wonder how long it's been running right that they they would be doing that and it's boring but it's been going on for decades. These people are dinosaurs. I mean, you look at a contemporary picture of Henry Kissinger, that's the contemporary group of the senior leadership set. Mm. Well, you know, you just have to... Charles finding of... Uh... Tell us he was visiting those uh, Texas jails, Charles. It's... I was just about to say it. James Watson. James Watson. And ironically... Of, what of I was just the about... Manson family no james watson um like watson crick. crick yeah oh thank you it was funny is because as he had just mentioned um you know henry kissinger and how old he looks i was just about to answer with james watson for a different reason which was he looks menacing he looks like and i think he's dead now but but maybe not but he looks like um like voldemort basically like an older voldemort didn't he get into this trouble point. though for um yeah for being racist yeah yeah <laughs> well, based no, james for watson <laughs> for, for being well he was being honest about the fact that there probably is a you know racial component to intelligence and we're not allowed to talk about it but but i mean he's he's a crappy person anyway and yes in addition to being the first head of the human genome project uh he spent like 30 years being in charge of, guess what? Cold Spring Harbor. So right at the core of all this genetic stuff and all this biological warfare by another name activity, he's been at the core of every aspect of trying to weaponize or um, use the technology for life extension and whatever. And it, He's just evil. And like Henry Kissinger, you know, these people probably are being pumped full of God knows what infant fetal like stem cells and mercury chrome and garbage. Who the like fuck that. even knows? I mean, they well, look like they're like they're dead already. So 
I yeah, I see a picture of Kissinger in a tuxedo, and it's just it looks like um he looks like the dog's dinner. It, you know, I'm like, how are <laughs> how are your cells still functioning? He's just bleh, one Kissinger, eye is kind of Kissinger, slipping Gallo, out of its socket. Yeah, Kissinger, Gallo, <laughs> um, Watson. Like you look at these people, and they look like like vampires yeah i was just gonna say vampires dude i'm looking at i'm looking at watson it's sick it's sick i'm telling you gallo looked looked like that and and uh maurice hilleman from merc the hepatitis b captain of hepatitis b department at merc he yeah they just look like they know i mean you know if you you had they had to be very well aware of um, you know, the inner circle, they had to be part of that super, super oh, yeah. inner circle of that Manhattan project as they were deciding, okay, who are we going to unleash this as? Okay. You know, Tuskegee got, Tuskegee got shut down. Well, shit. What do we do now? Well, those uppity gays let's, they, they've got hepatitis. They're getting a lot of, they're getting a lot of positive hepatitis tests from those, uh, you know, STD clinics. Let's get them into a hepatitis study and we'll take care of the gays. You know, it, it came down to, I'm sure, that glib of a conversation at some level. Wow, you know what? I, I, I could have been in that 100%. conversation. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. And here you are facing the karma of that kind of, uh, <laughs> Kevin. Here you are living living the karma of what that does. I, I This isn't about, you know, gays okay. I don't, you know, I'm not here to, to tell, you know, I'm not here to, to wave a flag for the parade. Um, but you know, to, to hopefully take the history and put it together and say, okay, folks, uh, we think we understand what's happening here in, in <laughs> lacking any other coherent, practical, externally verifiable data. It's the most, you know, Occam's razor. It makes the most sense. They've been talking about killing us for decades. Microbiology has been slowly simmering in the background for a long time and feeding careers and biowarfare. And they've eventually got too itchy, like kids that have a whole box of fireworks before the 4th of July. Kevin, you don't you don't know that agony of being a child. Positive. We, have, we have 5th of November. Whose dad has taken you to the fireworks stand and you're supposed to wait, you know, for several days until the 4th of July to actually shoot them off. It's it's torture. But um, that's that's what was going on, in my opinion, that that was really what happened with um, folks at the Pentagon and whoever really had the reins on these things as they released accidentally. Oops. um, Lime. And uh, if XMRV was an accidental contamination release, okay, maybe it is, maybe it wasn't. Uh, HIV, you name it. Uh, uh, you know, EBV. I, I'm I'm convinced that EBV, um, as a cofactor within things like, uh, you know, not is it not multiple myeloma, um, chronic fatigue syndrome, Mm-mm-mm. and uh, an ME, uh, a CFS well, ME. It's, it's, that... it's also implicated. I want to say that there is a cancer that. Um, is oh yeah. yeah, I'm trying to rack my brain for it, but um, yeah. Well, there are a number of cancers where EBV is a cofactor. Mm. Yeah, the her anything in the herpes family puts you into a higher octave of risk for you know developing cancers. So you yeah, know, I, I that's it's... that's my that's my very dark view of of sort of the basic psychology of people who had all of these horrible toys and just decided you know we we just need to see if these things work. And, you know, and if that factored into other people who had a ongoing global sort of 
push or subversion to lower the population. Let's lower the population. I mean, we're I'm I'm supposed to work with Mark Kulak this next week, and we're going to look at NSSM 200. We're going to unpack it. We might get to the next one, which is the 1992 um, Agenda 21 document, but we'll probably have you know two, more than enough to cover with that first piece of work. And we're going to look at the mechanics of what did they propose? What did they actually say? We're going to do it this way, this way, and this way. And, and then see if we can trace it in a standard legal, you know, analytical framework of, of motive means and capability, motive means and opportunity. It, it would be really, well, kind of anticlimactic. <laughs> but what we're dealing with is just um, green green uh i don't know what you call it psychosis i guess just just running its course that we've end, we've ended up in this space right now just just because of that would be but yeah that they never turned the wheel they started into this path and they never you know somebody didn't die somebody in the power structure didn't you know fall away and 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 new blood come forward and say you know that was then this is now Instead, they've continued to build, it, it, it appears, towards this kind of a, a dystopic solution for us, the problem. Mm. And, and you are the problem. That's why I always say, welcome aboard, welcome aboard. I'm really thinking of David Spade <laughs> from, the, from the 90s on Saturday Night Live, and he'd say, bye-bye. Um, well, look, thanks. I'd, I'd have never thought that I would be in, in this position. And, mm. you know, I was, mm -hmm. look, I, I'd have just been happy um, tinkering away with monkeys, yeah. basically. And um, I didn't. But there was a whole series of events that led to this point. But um, it, it, well, from my perspective, I sort of think about what, what sort of divine intervention in that series of events was. Um, there's, it's not just one event that leads to it, right? There's literal, well, the probabilities and timelines are essentially sort of incalculable. And yeah, here, here I am. And, you know, I know, I know Charles is real. I've met him face to face, right? So I, I'm, it's, this isn't some, um, I don't know, like end, like some sort of death trip type moment where you where you i say you really live your life again or something it's not that some some something else something something else is occurring it, it is reality is moving in a particular direction and um it's brought a whole bunch of, of people together and you know i, I feel uh, I, I know charles frustration at just the feeling of banging your head against goddamn brick wall when he when you know i i haven't found all this stuff charles has found this stuff and it's very concerning that he's he is handing it off to what should be the top of the food chain it's it's i know that's been done and we're seeing this he's being ghosted and that should concern everyone. 
And well, and so. Charles, Charles, you just keep working on your presentation. You just keep working on breaking it down into simpler, cleaner, um, more coherent bits and pieces that when we get these moments that we can comport it, the data out to people in a way that sticks where it, the light bulb turns on. I see you doing it. You know, you keep working with your models and your, your data. I'm sorry. You were saying. Well, no, just my, my, I have a couple of problems. And, and one of them is just that I've been doing this and I can't stop doing the digging part because nobody's doing the digging. Like I keep finding things that nobody else has found because I'm looking, <laughs> but, but if I, my problem is that even now when I'm trying to, to formalize some things, I'm still running into the problem that I keep finding more stuff. And on the other hand, there's nobody who's, picking it up and, and taking it, which is bizarre. It's like even the people who've who've seen that it's valuable, you know, like Robert Malone or RFK or JC well, I'm, or I'm telling you that's you've laced a um limited hangout network in that respect. Yeah. Right? I mean that, obvi that's... obviously because there's no other there's no no obviously JC is. I don't know the exact way that it's happening, but but I gave him the answers and they were obvious and he knew that. And then magically three months later, he just abandoned all that shit for, for infectious clone stupidity. And it's become a religious thing for him. So obviously whatever it is, he's, he's been captured. Yeah. I, I, I don't know whether, whether, it's conscious or not but being pulled into the orbit and then changing yeah but but, but he's but he's even pissing off rfk it, like i don't get the sense that the few times that i, I talked to him like it was never like he, he's been on board with what jeffrey Sachs was saying like he's written books about all this stuff and so i don't understand why why jc would go in a direction that even he wouldn't support and keep doing it. I couldn't, I couldn't understand in 1988 why a microbiologist came forward and said, you know, HIV hasn't really actually been isolated and I don't think it exists or is really causing AIDS. And then find out okay. years later that he was deeply involved in doing the work. He was culpable. So he was a willing partner. He was a collaborator to the cover-up and to spin the public's attention in another direction, confuse them, make them doubt whatever sort of a narrative was starting to take shape. It's it's very effective. Yeah, it's very effective. I'll agree with that. That's true. Well, you know, this, it brings me back to the point I make, which is, Maybe um, it's impossible to have that breakthrough moment, right? Because the the fact that um, I had Duisbergian right um, type thinking, it still persists, right? It it's it's manifest all the time, and it's uh, it's such a powerful drug to people i don't get it 
I do get it, but I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you get people off that particular opium hit. Well, it's a simple answer, and the truth is never as simple as a lie that you can make to hide it. So, so Nick, with Duisburg, would you? I know we've gone through this previously, but I think it's a good lesson for people to understand how how that situation emerged and look i've i was um taken by um, his arguments years ago right that what you were seeing was immune dysfunction to mm -hmm. i don't know the lifestyle. toxic lifestyle yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, sure. So, uh, for those of you that don't know Peter Duisburg, he was quite an accomplished and uh, noted microbiologist at uh, the time that he came back into, really came forward into the public eye in 1988. And people were continuing to die of AIDS. It was horrible. It was a nightmare. Uh, and I won't go into all of that, but in the midst of all of that in the midst of basically the darkest time he came forward and said through this monkey wrench into what was really the only good defense for people who were at risk for hiv and that was to a abstain or reduce your sexual contacts and b use condom prophylaxis just use common sense and don't exchange fluids that was that was the formula that was making a difference for people that were surviving and he came into the middle of that and popped the bubble for people that were freaking out with ptsd they were you know to set this table a little bit historically we talk about you know we get up we've gotten all upset and you know ooh, i had to wear a mask and mm, i had to put on a mask boy and i'm gonna have a meltdown in walmart about the mask um people that i knew that were a little older than me they weren't my close friends they were they were several years older than me were losing their apartments because they were positive they were used, losing their jobs because they were positive they were getting kicked off of their insurance immediately because they were positive and going into complete destitution immediately losing everything on top of having horrible stigma from society while eddie murphy's making jokes about you dying of aids and you've been kicked out of your family so imagine having nothing. I mean, that was what happened. And then here comes Duisburg and says, you know, this is from gay men and their fucking toxic lifestyle. Uh, you know, I can go back and unpack. I, I've done some, some, some discussions where I take the tenets of his arguments that HIV doesn't exist or that it hasn't been properly isolated. Then he gets tangled up with the, the, the Carrie Mullis discussion about the efficacy of PCR, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and he blames also that gay men are just, they just started dying because they were taking so many antibiotics because they were so promiscuous that they were all just, they all just had gonorrhea and everything all the time. And they were taking tons and tons of antibiotics. So they were leading this horrible toxic lifestyle i can go back and destroy all of his arguments the point isn't that the point is he worked in microbiology he worked in the special virus cancer program he made his own cancer causing chimeric uh, rna and dna pathogens 
He was a he was one of the dark wizards. And then he came forward probably for a box full of money and became a chaos agent in the midst of information finally starting to come forward about the potential lab origin of HIV. So that's that's Peter Duesberg, you know, in that oh, context. Yeah. Um I mean you have the time, I'd just unpack a little bit of those arguments because again i'm seeing sure. them right now it's being shoved in people's faces and i see it picking sure. up speed right now around viruses haven't been isolated well that's because it's sure. all the, uh, all this and i'll real quickly just interject and say that this is all connected nick is right i'm right we're all right simon wayne hobson was right edward hooper's right Meryl Nass was right about each piece that we were investigating. And when you put them all together, uh, they're all connected by the same people, the same institutions. Um, and yeah, so, so I think you're absolutely right, Kevin, that we do need to be looking for the signs. And, and that's why I'm glad that Nick is here, that he can tell them to us. This, this is exactly what we need. Okay, so yeah, I, so not to do a big a big discussion. For those of you that are watching, um, you know, you see the slide. For those of you that are just listening, we've got a real basic sort of left right uh, uh, A B comparison slide here with three basic tenets that Peter Duesberg came forward with. He said, "Age is because of a toxic lifestyle." Um, quite frankly, everybody in New York City, Los Angeles and San Francisco in the surrounding and adjacent demographics to the men who started getting pneumonia and Kaposi's sarcoma and cancers uh, in, in 1979. Um, they were all doing the same party drugs. They were all staying out at the clubs the same amount. No, the heterosexual community wasn't going to the bathhouse necessarily but there, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, a, 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 there was a, an incidence level. There was a, there were indicators about STD rates, but those were also present in other highly sexually active heterosexual cohorts. Think about the sixties and seventies. Good God, straight people were having sex too. So, um, uh, I that, want them that, to though. We need children. God damn it. I know, I know, no, no, and, I'm, and we're all for it, and and that's why you hear me going on and on and on about uh, COVID and reprotoxicity. I'm very concerned about reprotoxicity impact. Anyway, coming back to toxic lifestyle, I say in complete contradiction, and to try to destroy that leg of Peter's three-legged stool here is that all of Africa disproves his his posit there his his hypothesis that a toxic lifestyle was behind it none of the little children living in clay huts or the the young men and women working hard in their community or the you know the parents in those communities that suddenly got hiv after a vaccine campaign came through town none of them were going out to the spike none of them were going to 
the bars. None of them were going to the park. None of them were taking lots and lots and lots and lots of whatever, cocaine, acid, LSD, whatever the party drugs were at the time. None of the Africans that died of AIDS were doing any of that. So Peter's first leg is disproved, according to me. Yeah, uh, but when, when you're out what, on, in the jungle and you're, uh, you know, oh my what's, God. A man, what's a man supposed to do? <laughs> Oh hunting God. on those hunting trips. <laughs> you're not. You're not. <laughs> you're, you're not going to put down. Do you, do you understand? Do you understand the suffering? You do. What you're starting to understand the suffering, Kevin. So, um, but yes, no. Good. Good. Monty Python humor there. Okay. Second tenant. AZT. Peter said AZT killed all the gay men. AZT wasn't open. For us to try in the community, I, I never had it or needed it, but AZT wasn't available until 1985. People were dying in the spring of 1979. They were getting, they were coming in from, you know, these, these, these men that I interviewed, I found someone from each cohort from the three major cohorts and two of them are positive. Uh, one of them is still negative to this day. Uh, and they talked about everybody in the group going out and being very social and very open about it. They were supposed to socialize about it and tell people that they were in the study and they were supposed to be sexually active. So wow. anyhow, um, anyhow, so uh, next, next tenant, AZT. AZT didn't do it because it wasn't available. People were dying years before AZT was available. So second piece of his hypothesis ruined. Third tenant, Poppers cause Kaposi's sarcoma. This was the most ridiculous thing. And this is where I'll come out just a little bit. I'm going to crack the door just a little bit. Uh, and I don't think anybody in the world that's out there that knows me from my work at the university is listening today. But this is where I did my work. I worked on human herpes virus 8 or Kaposi's sarcoma herpes virus. It's a member of the herpes virus family. It's related to three major syndromes, uh, Castleman's, non-centric Castleman's disorder, and Kaposi sarcoma herpes virus, or Kaposi sarcoma, the skin cancer, which is, you know, that notable form of cancer that a lot of men seem to have gotten in the 80s. Um, HHV-8 has a finely, uh, you know, carefully, thoroughly illustrated and characterized oncogenic pathway and process. It's all been mapped out and observed and confirmed around the world. Uh, and we've known about KS for a hundred years before it affected the AIDS community. So poppers don't cause Kaposi sarcoma, herpes virus eight causes Kaposi sarcoma. So that's those those are the main main tenants that he brings up. And I don't go any further into getting in the mud and wrestling with him because Clearly, he wasn't there to practice science, and I know of some people that gave up their vigilance for safe sex because of him and got infected and died. So, you know, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't give him any credit. But he's, he's someone that is central to the idea that, well, that the virology is, um, it's all fabrication. He's a, he's a central pillar to that. There's another guy, Rancor. Ah, uh, yes. Dennis Rancor. His name. I might be thinking of not. 
No, I mean, Rancourt is Rappaport. He's Canadian. Rappaport. Oh, Michael Rappaport? Yeah. John Rappaport. No, Michael. John Rappaport. Yeah, he's a science writer. But doesn't doesn't he claim that HIV has not been? Yes, he's a Duesbergian. And I had a conversation with him, and I suggested that we look at this material, and he did the door slam. Yeah. What a shock. Well, you know, I don't say, you know, I don't, you can't come at someone maniacally. You have to be very metered. You have to be very rational. You, you know, anybody that, that comes at you uninvited, we all, we all have a sense of what do you want? You know, what, what is this? What's your, what's your angle? Um, so every time I've approached some of these folks who did a lot of the AIDS investigative reporting and, and followed the story for years and years, when I approached them and started seeing the pattern emerge, that they were sort of part of the lighthouse keepers like Deuceberg uh, and Michael Warabee and Beatrice Hahn, um, that uh, it's like, okay, they've got a, they've got a songbook and they're, you know, they're well-practiced and uh, there's no point in trying to approach that part of that's, that's the firewall. I'm, you know, I'm not even supposed to get through that. So um, you know, I, I started finding different people that were interested and I'm very grateful that people have been coming forward, like out of the raccoon community and telling me that part of the reason they connect with my work is because they've lost someone that's meaningful to me. I I'm doing the work for them. Wait, there's puffs in the community. I ain't having it. No, no, quite, quite, <laughs> oh quite heterosexual people <laughs> saying that they had, they suffered losses and that they appreciate the work. You bastard, <laughs> you little you be a burnt pizza crust. <laughs> one day, Are you kidding one, me? Are you kidding me? One day, <laughs> you, you he's going to come out and just like strangle you. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I, mean, I don't no, know. Why it's been, it's been very good. It's, it's interesting because, um, because, because Nick has, you know, he's still here. I mean, obviously I'm still here. And as Kevin knows, very early on, <clears throat> I, I became aware of, you know, certain foibles and certain perspectives. I was like, Oh, oh no, this is interesting. But, you know, I appreciate Kevin despite his foibles and his, he has unique perspectives, but so do I. And, you know, and I, I really appreciate Nick because what you've done is, uh, is you don't, you understand, like I understand there's a bigger, there's more important things to worry about that we can't have common ground. And uh, I appreciate that. And yeah, it, it, it's you know, vital. And not just because I lost my job, because I was willing to defend Kevin, but, you know, but I did. So, you know, it, it, it just sucks. You've got to get people to walk through this this fire, though, right? And Because it, you, if you're going to fold at the first... I don't know social shaming that could get poured on you. I don't. I don't think you're going to get this far down into the through the wormhole, wherever you want to want to think of it. And so, you know, there's a very specific reason why I do. I take the approach that I do, right? Which is, the, you can't um, you can't fold at these these types of pressures, which they will put onto you should you should you bring the arguments out into the public 
And, you know, so I, I don't know whether it's the right strategy or not. I don't know. I, I did well, not. One, oh, one thing, one thing, other thing I wanted to say is that uh, we should try to get a hold of Horowitz. Mm. Because I think both um, Nick and I would have good things to talk about with him. Um, the, I, I don't know if he's going to do that. He might. Um, uh, Sherry died uh, uh, six days after Alan Cantwell died. So Dr. Alan Cantwell, who was really, you know, the he's the only one that I actually met of the OG whistleblowers face-to-face. -face. I went and met him in Los Angeles and uh, went and, and studied his collection at USC. Uh, but I had like three conversations with Horowitz and uh, he really uh, expressed uh, sort of a clear resistance to wanting to get pulled back into this piece of public debate about, you know, he's an MPH. So he did a, he did a case against the fed um, for the COVID vaccine. I, that would be something he'd probably right. want to talk about. Um, yeah. But as far as the HIV stuff, he probably knows it memorized backwards and forwards in three different languages. Um, and, and I don't, you know, but he, he expressed to me, he's like, you've got this go, you know, go fly, be free, you know, you know, bring it. And Dr. Cantwell said, you're the last of the Mohicans. And I said, don't tell me that. He said, you are, you, you know, he's like, I, I, you know, this was about a year before he passed. I said, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have your career or your credentials to do this. I had a brief flirtation with an academic career and I didn't like it. So I got the hell out. And he said, no, no, you like under he's like, you can, un you understand it. So do this, do this. And Alan was wonderful. Alan was a real character. Um, and he kept trying, but he got pushed way out into the outer orbit. You know, you talk about getting ghosted, Charles. He was out there on, you know, fringe magazine, conspiracy, literally conspiracy theory magazine. That was the kind of interview that he would get. And, yep. um, and he was, a, he was a dermatologist at UCLA and an oncology researcher and was published and published and published. And yet he was ostracized in that vein of his um, investigation. So well, so, so I, I, so getting, getting Horowitz in is going to be, uh, that would be a golden ring. Uh, I'm not saying it won't happen, but no, you know, I, I, I was just talking about you, like you and I need, should be like talking to him and bouncing stuff. I don't think that he would re-enter the, the public sphere. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. 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 Well, he'll say, first and foremost, he'll say, did you read my book? Do you know my, do you know my book? Cause he put you, you've seen it. You've seen how much detail he packed in there. So yeah, I mean, I, I've read two of his books. I read two of his books yesterday. So yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> so your head hurts. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I, thankfully I already knew enough of the horror show, so it wasn't completely new, but yeah. Yeah. But what, what about, um, Nicholson? Have you spoke to him, Nick? Um, that might be. Um, I wrote I wrote Garth Nicholson back in about two thousand. So I I got serious about. I didn't understand that it would bring me to this, but I got serious about really vetting it and sort of going through the actuarial process um, with the OG evidence. I was like, okay, I finally have enough scientific chops, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try and vet this stuff. And one of the first things I did was look at. Uh, people who wrote four words and recommendations about uh, Cantwell's work and Horowitz's work. And I reached out to the ones that were, you know, that I could track down. And uh, I had a brief exchange with him and he acted like a senior, senior principal 
statesman, scientific gentleman who remembered that from his long, long ago past. Like, oh, have fun with that. It was it was a very brief and dismissive response from him. So um, that was, you know, it wasn't negative, but uh, he didn't he didn't seem to have any interest in entering into conversation. Uh, how long ago was that? Um, 2006 ish, seven ish. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Cause I, cause somebody who knows him has been acting as an intermediary between me and him on, on Twitter oh. for a few months. Oh. So cool. like I've heard indirect, like drops here and there very rarely, but, um, but unfortunately he's rather hard to get a hold of because, well, just like Horowitz, he has reasons to be concerned, and mm-hmm. um, and and his wife is dead now too. And but but he's he's actively researching. Like I know from what I've been told, he's seen streams of Kevin's that I've been on. Oh, so, oh, good. Yeah, and yeah, that's like they, he's been shown some of this stuff. So <laughs> oh, so he got some choice vocabulary. Now, granted, I haven't heard from him. I haven't heard from him yet, so that might be why, you know. But, but hey, and he's no good for <laughs> this fight. <laughs> no, no, he's definitely good for this fight. And he, he was there um, testifying in Congress with Merrill Mass, you know, in the mm-hmm. late nineties. I mean, so, and uh, you know, so does, it, does he know about? I think of him in a, in a good light. I appreciate his work. That that's that's certainly not what I took away from his yeah, no, that's response okay. back to me. It was just that it didn't seem like that the pasta was going to stick to the wall. Sorry, Kevin. Well, he he does care. He does care about COVID. I mean, well, I was, I was just going to. He's written papers about it, actually. Which papers are that? I, I mean, uh, my I my question was was that, does he know about Watson visiting those? Those jails and... that's one of the th- that's one of the main things i want to ask him about because i know that I, because so much stuff has been like censored and hidden and you can't buy it or whatever it's hard to piece it together but there's things that i know that he knows there's so many questions i know that he'd be able to answer just quickly it would save me a whole bunch of time um because i know he did a bunch of digging that he wasn't able to publish on but that's what that, that's really the value and plus, because he's written about opportunistic infections and COVID. And if, for instance, they used the plasma, mycoplasma to d- disseminate this, for instance, or if they just seeded uh, contaminated mycoplasma or, or something, like I know that he would have interesting ideas that'd be worth looking into. And he's just a fount of information. And plus, he also knows a lot about you know, the cell membrane and like, he's just very incredibly knowledgeable and he would help fill in a lot of holes. And, um, it, it just sucks that this, what I've learned and Nick can appreciate this is that the censorship has been going on for so long, so consistently that what could have been a very easy trail where we could all see back 70 years, has been highly obfuscated. And our problem now is putting all these pieces together in a way that, you know, that the layman <laughs> to can to pick make use up of it now. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure beyond, beyond sort of conversations like this, um, I, I, trying to get people to dig through that literature, 
you know, there's going to be like 0.1% of the people that listen that would have the... Well, but, just, but just being able to come together and prove with the big picture and be able to explain to people. Um, and, but the problem is, is that even if you come down with a, a simple, clear, relatively concise explanation, you're still left with most people not being able to to fathom the implications. I mean, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to explain to my brother and, and my sister-in-law, and it's hard. Yeah, people, people, people. I'm his twin brother. Uh, people, and they don't want. They don't want to get it. Like they don't. They don't want to. Yeah, they'd, they'd rather believe in the um, orthodox line, and like, I, I couldn't stop members of my family going out and getting these shots. Well, I think I've done that, but the, the really hard part is to get people to understand the proof that this stuff was intentional is is really hard. I see it's Los really Alamos hard. National Lab on the screen there. Yeah, so that's that's a, a special shout out to uh, our Finnish friend. It's our Finnish friend, right? Isn't Hengen? Uh, yeah, Hengen, yeah. And he, but he's in Finland. I don't. I wouldn't know. Oh, oh, okay. I thought I didn't know if you knew the whole uh, raccoon burrow. If you knew all the little rackets no. or rockets <laughs> or whatever. We, we need. We need. Um, uh, what do you call it? Firewall breaks between. Um, I guess me and uh, people that sort of actually go digging and uh, bring bring stuff to the. the oh gosh. And, um, oh yeah, no. He schooled me on doing an alignment using the Los Alamos HIV DNA sequence bank, and I was like, "Thank you very much." I installed R. I installed a couple of uh, modifiers, like these these graphing data viz modifiers that you layer on top of it. And I'd never used those tool be tools before, but I'm like, "Thank you." And we did that circular, that radial alignment of SIVs and HIVs. Oh yeah, actually, that's, that's that. There you have, go. This is up. the man. This is the man. Oh, well, uh, let's see. Because, uh, do, 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 do. Uh, yeah, it's... yeah he, oh, I he was the guy that... <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Ah, most people just let me keep it. I, it was stuck, Kevin, in my head. I was, it was halfway between the rocket voice, you know, that growly rocket voice and your voice. It was funny. <laughs> okay. Um, where the hell? I just... Uh, I've been filing, so... There you go. Los Alamos National Lab. You know what? I might, I might have brought it up. I've got it on screen. Okay. Well, here's here's the here's a here's a quarter of it. Oh, my! Oh, I'm not sharing everything. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me share my screen. You got it. Okay. Okay. Oh, I toggled over to another window. I forgot I wasn't. I was sharing your uh, your rocket meme. There we go. <laughs> Uh, right. The coons really do put up with us pretty well. <laughs> well, come on, it's free. It is all right. So shake, yeah. shake your shekel cup. <laughs> send us your shekels. Please. This is extra send love. To, Charles, Charles is staying up all night. Yeah. Yep. Subscribe yeah, to Charles. Please. Subscribe to Charles. Send send support, Charles, <laughs> as well as me. Please. Nick, no, Nick no, I've never heard Nick ask for shekels for uh, his time. So I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna ask for shekels. Yeah. Um, 
I'm I'm called to duty. This is that's why I'm here. Okay, so over in the right, right but I don't have a daytime well, job, so you know. <laughs> well, my daytime job went to Pakistan, so I'm in the market. So, uh, so hey, hey, these strains. What? Oh, nothing. You said you're in the market, and you. I am. I've never, <laughs> I am. I've never gone down that road. You know. Hey, knock it off. Road what? Oh, so, sorry. <laughs> All right. Continue. Please, Nate. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the chimp we're talking about. Uh, this is a, this is an alignment that Henjin produced, and he gave me the tools to do this myself. But the, he, you know, he's like, install this and do this and pull this and then do that, and then he raced ahead and did the work. So this was Henjin's, and I, I assume he made these um, different species notations, like the vervet and the the you know mukakamulata, the the mustached monkey. Uh, but the important point is down here in the southeast quadrant. So the chimpanzee SIV strains are in the same branch with HIV one subtype N, as in Nancy. So there's a that's definitely a hot spot, as we show where that's you know most likely what however we came to call that subtype N. Um, that's that's a very close point to either animals that were the direct source for the hepatitis vaccine that was given to the gay men and or was uh, were both subject to um, a parallel experiment of a modified SIV. They would have probably infected the gay men with it and also given it to a batch of chimps and seen, you know, what it did in the two different species. Um, but regardless, that's one crossover point. And then down at the bottom, there's another uh, set of crossovers um, in the chimpanzee to human subtypes. And then there's an interesting crossover over on the left with gorillas. There's some crossover between gorilla SIV and subtype O and P. But regardless, this this doesn't this does this is a this is a, a very basic genome alignment uh, that was pulled for all entries in the DNA bank there up through year 2021. So it's quite comprehensive, um, and it shows um, the whole family of of primates that have SIVs. And then you can go into the literature and see these lines used in individual projects and examinations as they start pairing like i don't i couldn't even tell you that i've done crack the egg on sivs as a transport platform i think isn't that a whole thing isn't that a one whole vector that's um i think i've seen a few papers on that but it looked like more recently they're thinking oh yeah let's try to modify an siv and use that as a platform for um another you know basically a transfection platform so that's for me. That's what I'm going to start. It's using not as common, to... but I've seen. It. Okay. 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 It would seem fraught with peril. You know, it would seem to be just asking for trouble. Like let's mix in right. SV40 and see what happens. So, you know, you know, what's of interest actually, just um, what uh, Kevin McKernan has pulled out with his analyses. And he shows that there's the SV40 promoter in there. As part of uh, the plasmid, mm -hmm. um, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And it's it's in there, and got a you've got a uh, when we're when we're looking at this data and we can see that I don't know like epitopes of five amino acids seem to be problematic, right? And then how much how much of that 
I mean, SV40 is known to be problematic. Like they, they, they've conceded that much. Yet they've, they've still gone and they're still using it somehow. Why? And I, why? I mean, I know it's doing a job with respect to directing the the transcription, what have you. But the if it's if if that's all it takes, such a short epitope. In my mind, you would want to do everything you can to avoid cross-contamination with it. And yet there, there they are, literally, not just exposing people like they were um, the original polio vaccines, but actually having people express the protein or the epitope. Very, very problematic in my mind. I'm never going to have an objective um, opinion about an application like that ever again in my life, Kevin. I will never give them the benefit of the doubt. I just question the motive right out of the gate. Well, I haven't, I'm still in the middle of, of investigating this giant pile of shit. So I'm not even at the point where like I can, I could consider looking at anything outside of this spectrum or outside of this uh, perspective but it, it would be hard for me to imagine that i could at this point so really hard having not read horowitz's book um mm -hmm. he meant he makes mention of ebola um presuming nick that you could break that down i'd have to go back and reread it the, he yes he has good details he has good he doesn't assert the part is that you get in there and there are so many things that make your jaw drop that you, I don't know, you, you kind of get numb. You get a little bit like, uh, wow, you know, overwhelmed. Um, that's what happened to you the first time. And then you go back and look at the citations and the references, and he includes in line, as you're trying to get through the story of what he's telling you, he includes full pages that are yep. photocopies of a lot of the original artifacts. So you don't have to go anywhere. And these are the rare birds, the ones that are critical and that speak directly to what he's telling you. So uh, when he gets to Ebola, yes, he has dates, uh, times, uh, people, institutions. He has things tied together. I just went back and refreshed with him recently, you know, with, I mean, with his work and, and clarified for myself, what were the agencies? As I started having these conversations with Nati, Nati is one of the panda scientists uh, who is, uh, was part of uh, the presentation that I gave about a month ago. And yeah, but you know what, uh, those panda retards are just shutting down any discussion pointing towards biowarfare programs. I'm working on that. Um, uh, I, I, they, they were, yeah, they were, they were uh, taken aback. They were kind of shocked, but Nati spoke out. I mean, he, he was very, you know, he was interested and he pushed into some of the details and all of that. And they've invited me to come back in April and talk about eugenics. So that's where I can say, look, you, you have to accept that there is, there is an intent. There is a different, domain a different country of morality 
And it doesn't yep. include looking at you in the same light that most people look at the rest of the world with varying degrees of tolerance and preference, right? We have people we would really prefer that, you know, we wish we wished everyone was like them and other people we didn't. But some people just have us sorted out like sheep in the farm. And that's, you know, they're like, oh, well, we need to call those and those, and let's just get rid of the, that species altogether. And we need all of that land and those resources. So let's get, let's make that a priority. Um, you know, that's, that's what you have to bring them back to is the basis for that. And the fact that it was practiced, that's, that's the real meat in the, in the sandwich is, uh, it was in state laws. People's bodies got compulsorily sterilized and modified. People were institutionalized on the basis of eugenic laws. It was. But, a, but that, that's why it's weird uh, that they won't. That, see, that's why uh -huh. it's strange to me is that they won't. Um, they won't look at bioweapons and say, you know, bioweapons are actually a step below eugenics. So, to me, like I would say that. You know, eugenics is the use of bioweapons intentionally. <laughs> so, well, it's hor it's horrifying. Not just, yeah. It's horrifying, Charles. It's something people don't seek out. You, you had a ten I, 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 I had to. My community was attacked by my own government, and everybody died around me. So I had to fucking put my head up out of the gopher hole and learn a little bit more than you know what I probably would have in life. And and you did it as a as a as a, a choice in your career and you know you developed an aptitude for it and you know you weren't a white coat you know you were an operational tactical scientist and you know that's i'm that's no just, scientist well you yeah well science <laughs> I don't science yeah but but listen to this listen to the, okay well maybe that's a good thing because all the people these this madness we're talking about that's putting the world in peril is delivered by people with phds and white coats and summer homes in the Hamptons and condos on Maui. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't think yeah. that's necessarily, you know, we maybe I think of the end of the Lord of the Rings and the tower falling over. Maybe that's not such a bad thing. Oh, and, no, definitely. Let it burn. I think we're the fellowship. We're, we're definitely the fellowship. <laughs> but I don't want to be the one of the hobbits. Um, <laughs> no offense. Why? Who's the hobbit? Who's the hobbit? Why? Is it, oh, because you don't want to be a little small person? Yeah, but they were the most powerful. They saved the fucking world, dude. I don't know. I don't, I don't care about that shit. It doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. Just, Are just you take the me ranger to your, then? You're the ranger, aren't you? I don't know. Well, first, I have to meet you. And so I'm going to go to your, your condo in Maui. Oh yeah, rock and roll. Let me know when I have one of those, and we'll go. And I, yeah, it'll be awesome. Anyway, um, and Kevin's definitely a dwarf. <laughs> oh yeah, Kevin is definitely a dwarf. Ugly and short. Um, wife has just bought my dinner, and so I might just pull. The oh well, cord. no, uh, no, no, pull the ribcord. Um, it's four thirty. What is it? Four thirty in the morning for Charles. Maybe. Well, you say, see, now that makes me curious about where he is. He's saying where I am. So that's interesting. Because, mm. I mean, it, I would assume that you're not that much farther away, but maybe you're in like Antarctica somewhere. Who knows? My brain just works in, um, you know, I think across the time zones. I've always had to do that with, with work. So I'm still learning how to do that. But... Uh, I can't do it. I'm, I'm, uh, 
too decrepit. Um, all right, folks, thank you for listening. It was, whoa, it was a, a big, uh, big stream today. A lot of, uh, <laughs> I just, uh, I'll, I'll finish on this meme from, uh, from dank memes. <laughs> just, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> what what happens in the trash can stays in the trash all right just uh rule one applies in the trash can no right i like it i like it it's a good way to go all right i'm gonna end the call thank you charles very much for um just doing what you're doing bro um the whole world um owes you a a solid that's that's what i think right now um same Nick. money and gold bars yes yeah i'm i'm i made the presumption that, that that's coming at some point but um nick thank you for joining us and uh always uh well it's always such a black pill oh yeah yeah, but we have fun and we get a laugh in. So yeah, but can we? Uh, I want to have a black pill that's not a suppository sometime, though. <laughs> Please. How about that? Just just turn it out there. Oh, me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about you, but uh, Kevin's trying to eat dinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks, guys. Yep. Thank you very much. All right. I'm ending there, and boom. All right, guys. Thank you very much. I want to say thank you to uh, who was it? Pog, uh, pod, pod. You can have uh, my favorite at the moment. Uh, just to say, oh, let me just check if there's anyone else. And I don't know, but um, just pod, pod. You get the chemical alley for today. The rest of you, you're all the juice. Take care and God bless. Bro, you don't know how angry I am. You do. I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these cappers. I will fucking kill each fucking kappa. I swear. <laughs> this is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually saying. Fuck these cappers. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood, blood. Never. No. I will fucking die. Fucking fighting for my fucking bees and my fucking forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. All that fire. this guy. Let up! 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 Let up!